Hello and welcome to Mad Get Radio episode number five. I'm joined tonight by my sidekick, Paul. How's it going, everyone? Everyone's having a good time, whatever you are. And we're also joined on this episode by um, Ed, Scottish Knight, and Andy Cowan, who is filmed on the Night Age forums. If you guys want to say hi. Hi, everyone. Nice to be back again. Hi, everybody. Uh, good to be on. First time ever live on air. Awesome. Andy is a dwarf player, so we might not get him back, depending on how this goes. So this episode, we are uh, going to be talking about Midlands, the team tournament, which um, Andy, myself, and Ed attended a couple of weeks ago. We're going to give you a run-through of our games. Um, we'll talk a bit about the tournament overall, um, about how we did, and uh, our thoughts about just the whole experience and the different armies we played and the different mentalities that we came across. And then that's really going to be it for this episode, because I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get through all our games. Uh, we couldn't, unfortunately, be joined by our fourth and final teammate, Michael, uh, because his internet connection is apparently dated from the 1940s. So I'm going to do my best to fill in the gaps, uh, because he took uh, Ed's Orc and Goblin army, and there were some uh, key highlights from Michael's games which we really should mention. But basically, I'm going to hand over to Paul, who's uh, going to direct us through. Yeah, so uh, because we've all been on, uh, apart from Andy, we thought we'd give Andy um, an opportunity just to kind of introduce himself and to kind of talk about your kind of game and history and where you're coming from. Yeah, sure, thank you. So, I play Dwarfs, mainly. Uh, play... <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, sorry to let you down. I've uh, also tried my hand at Warriors of the Dark Gods. And I haven't played maybe six, seven games with them. can totally appreciate that they're quite a lot harder to use well than, than dwarfs, dwarfs, I think. It's a little bit easy. <laughs> well, uh, well, it's got access to a few other armies um, that I will get around to playing in the Ninth Age eventually. Played most of them, 8th edition, here and there. Started playing games, miniature war games, when I was about nine with uh, Warhammer 4th edition box set. Actually, even a little bit before that with random hero quest minis made into armies of orcs and goblins and undead. Um, but yeah, I've been playing for quite a long time and this is definitely the best set of rules for a miniature war game I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy, you're also the head of a gaming clan, aren't you? You've got uh, your two sons involved and yeah, your wife involved. Oh, yeah, yeah, my missus plays Orcs and Goblins. Older sons get some Skaven, which occasionally get used as uh, Vermin Swarm. Uh, my younger boy, he's a bit wee to really play, but he's got some cool dinosaurs and a, a lizard band. Sorry, an ah, ancient army. a couple of years. Yeah, we, oh, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I was considering getting them some Scottish Wildlands t-shirts, but they grow so quick that maybe, <laughs> maybe later, maybe, maybe eventually. But... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. We still play 8th edition in the house, so yeah, lots of fun. Cool. Just before we get kind of into the nitty-gritty of the games and stuff, uh, do people want to just briefly give a kind of short summary of their lists uh, and what the thinking was behind them? Andy, do you want to kick us off with this? Sure. Um, oh, this could get confusing. Which Andy are you talking to? Yeah, well, what we'll do, I'll say Andrew for yourself, okay. and I'll say Andy for... Andy. There we go. Awesome. That makes sense. Okay. Right, Andy. right, I will do. I'm going to see if I can 
find a copy of my list kicking about somewhere. Uh, I should know it, like, just off by heart, but just in case I forget something. No, don't see one. So, let's think. So, a king on throne, a defensive build, but with a great weapon. So, one up, bluffers, four up, all the throne goodies. Uh, let's think, who else? BSB, one up, four up. Oh, shield wall plus one extra ward. Um, Cold stone as well. Uh, Runesmith with three battle runes and a rune of devouring. And the rune of devouring is definitely a staple of my list from now on. <laughs> uh, I might mention that a wee bit later exactly how cool that is. But, uh, who else we've got in there? No dragon seeker in this list. Not pushy enough for that. Just um, nice and defensive. And a, an engineer to sit with the, the war machines. Basic stuff. Just one extra pip of armor save for him. What else we got in there? Big block of greybeards who didn't do terribly well, but I do like them. Big block of greybeards. Some shooters. Uh, one unit of 18 crossbow guys with shields and a flaming banner. Uh, big block of deep watch. 22 models, I think, with the runic standard of shielding that gives a six inch bubble of five upward against shooting. Uh, one vengeance seeker. Pair of skirmishing copters, cannon, and a ruined catapult. All the dwarf stuff. Yeah, all that dwarf stuff, totally. What about yourself, Ed? What did you bring? So, I'm not sure if thought was what went into my list selection, (laughs) um, as it was basically a decision of, will I go sensible and defensive, or will I just go crazy aggressive, and the crazy one won. So it was a fully mounted KOE list uh, with every flavor of knights possible. Uh, I thought I'd use this as a last chance to test them all out before uh, starting to build for 2.0 lists. Um, So I brought uh, scouting, vanguarding hedge knights with their great weapons. I brought knights of the realm. I brought two smaller units of aspirants. I brought a big unit of grail knights. Uh, and then I brought three characters, all of whom were tooled up for combat in different ways. Two with re-rollable one-up armor saves, uh, one with a two-up armor and a five-up or four-up ward. One was tooled up to charge and blow things up. One was tooled to fight in challenges, and one was tooled to basically stick around for as long as possible against tough things. Uh, and then two units of yeoman to hopefully stop the nasty things from hitting me when I didn't want them to. What about you, Andrew? Um, my army. Huh. Uh, I brought my lovely empire. And uh, basically, I just took the list that I've been playing recently, or which has kind of just become my staple. And which, up until the, that weekend, had a very good record and was very uh, hard to beat. Um, I had a prelate general with a one-up re-rollable great weapon. Had a BSB Marshal uh, with Ether Icon and Great um, great Tactician. Had another prelate on a horse uh, with a lance shield. So basically he's got one-up armor and a lance. And then I had a big block of spears, two support blocks of halberds, a couple units of skirmish and pistols, uh, a unit of nine knightly orders with stalker standards, so basically just soar through terrain. Uh, and who I'm not talking to uh, and you'll find out why in a wee minute. Uh, had a unit of three chickens, which, spoiler, they were the MVPs of the weekend. If I, if I had to choose an MVP, because there wasn't really many uh, memorable performances for my life. <laughs> uh, it would probably be the chickens. Uh, had an arcane engine, steam tank, 
double mortar and one unit of five writer with heavy armor and double pistol. Awesome. And obviously Michael, not being here, will just do a quick wee run through. I've got his list sure. in front of me. Uh, he was bringing Ed's Orcs and Goblins. So he had, uh, for his general, an Iron Orc Warlord uh, on the chariot with the Bluffer's Helm and a re-rollable armor save. Um, he had a Goblin Chief BSB with the Sapping Bow. He had a Orc Shaman with Pyromancy on a Wyvern. Three blocks of Goblins and Bows. Some Nasher Dashers. A couple of Wrecking Teams. Some Grotlings. Some common orc mounted Ed Bashers, a couple of scrap wagons, two splatters, a scooter, and the spider. So he had tons on his list. Ed, how true is the statement that you were using Michael as the guinea pig for the GT final? It's uh, somewhat true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already tested this list out in different forms, so I know it works. Uh, it's a very good list. It's a, it's a challenge, and to be honest, the Wyvern Shaman was a bit of fun. It probably wasn't the most competitive <laughs> choice. Um, so I've removed it from my list. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Michael wanted to do something different. He he couldn't bring Empire at the same time as Andrew brought Empire. So Probably was better um, taking his Empire, actually. Cause, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this was a, a chance for him to play something different, and... Uh, uh, hopefully, I think he enjoyed it, which was good. That's the main thing. Yeah, no, he, well, he's gone off and bought shed loads of orcs and goblins now, so <laughs> as yeah. as is the correct way. <laughs> Evil propaganda. So, did you guys kind of coordinate your list building beforehand, or did you just say kind of fuck it, just bring whatever? Yeah, very limited. I think because we had uh, siege, like basically when we had siege, so siege was on the Saturday. Um, and lists had to be submitted for Midlands on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have much time to totally reevaluate or combine uh, to make like team lists, if that makes sense. So um, Andy kindly offered to play Defensive Dwarves, which is kind of a staple of teams. I, my Empire list did pretty well at Siege, so I was like, I'll just take that. I dropped the cannon and took a mo- another mortar. To be a kind of anti-horde threat was the idea, um, and then Ed, I can't. You just kind of wanted to do the knights, so we kind of said, "Do you want to do monster hunting?" I think. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Monsters and MSU. Yeah, and uh, Michael was just like all the random shit in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's in itself is a good option to have on a team. Cool. So when the lists came out, um, I know you guys had some time to kind of sit through and talk through them. What were your kind of expectations? going into the tournament, just in terms of what you knew you were going to be up against, did you feel quite confident? Or You're a bastard, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, we took one look at all the numerous zombie dragon lists and thought, should have brought flaming cannons. Yeah. The, uh, how many How many of them were there? Just out of curiosity. Five or six, I think. Right. So, yeah. So there was a good chance one of you was going to run into at least one of them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our prep because uh, we drove down on the Friday. Was, I actually think that was a really good way to do it. We we drove down Friday morning, um, arrived a bit earlier, and uh, we got some dinner, and then chatted, basically. And our game plan was that... I think it was just like, Ed will take the zombie dragons and try and... Actually, no... Um, oh, no, it was Michael, wasn't it? it might, part of it was Michael, because he had pyromancy. That's right. Uh, and because if he got flaming swords off on the catapults... 
then they'd be hitting on fives at short range, but they'd be wounding on re-rollable th- on threes, not re-rollable, but threes, then cut through the regen. So that was the vague right. plan. But none of us really had a a good answer to it. Yeah. And I actually think the zombie dragons misguided us a wee bit, because I, th- I think we probably worry too much about them. But Okay, cool. So um, just getting into game one then, you guys had uh, grudged the Ville Renegades. How did that pairing process go, and did you get the matchups you wanted? How did that How did that all go down? Uh, I think it actually went down okay. Um, who did we put down first? I think we put myself down first. Yeah, we did. Um, basically, I was the, the captain of the coach, and what I ended up doing for a lot of these games was just most of the, I think three of our games, two or three of the games, I put myself down first, and it was purely because um, my list is quite flexible, or I thought it was quite flexible, <laughs> and uh, I thought that it could either just play very defensively or kind of be able to shift depending on what I played against. So we put myself down first, and um, the Vale guys had uh, Rob, who was bringing uh, high el- sorry, Highborn Elves, uh, Chris, who was bringing Kingdom of Ectane, Andrew, who was bringing Overcans, and Ollie, who was bringing Inferno Dwarfs. So I think our, our game plan before it was to... Ed, you wanted um, Andrew. Yep. Because he had uh, juicy monsters. Andy, did you actually have like an ideal... Because you had just like you wouldn't really particularly yeah. about playing any of them, were you? You were kind of alright. As long as I avoided the ogres, they yeah. had um, potential for Wrath of God, which doesn't you know doesn't go well with my list that sits fairly compact in one place, doesn't spread out at all. So uh, the thaumaturgy was a problem, so I wanted to avoid that. So that was fine, I avoided that. I would have preferred, I think, the high elf list would have probably been the optimum one because it was quite shooty and I was well. You know, light arm shooting. Yeah. So as well set up to to deal with that. You know, high toughness, good armor, the five up ward against shooting that covers pretty much the whole army. So you know, well set up to deal with high elves. King of Ectane, not so much, but still just about managed to to pull off a small win there. So we put myself down first, and they put down Rob. Was it the hybrid elves they put down? God, it's been too long. Probably doesn't matter too right. much. Yeah, then. doesn't matter. Basically, the matchups were: <laughs> um, I played all these Inferno Dwarves. Ed, you played Andrew's Ogres. Andy, you played Chris's King of Ectane, and Michael took on uh, Rob's Highborn Elves. So I think across the board we were actually okay with the matchups. Um, like okay. I, I was okay about playing Ollie. Ed wanted the Ogres. Um, Andy was okay about playing Ectane. Uh, it was just really Michael. Michael wasn't happy about playing the elves, because he, he just thought there was too much shooting. But yeah, so that was it going into the first round. Okay, and uh, just out of curiosity, this was a four-man team. Obviously, you guys had just been participated in the three-man team tournament. When it came to the pairings, did you find it more difficult, or was it easier to try and get the, the kind of matchups that you wanted with that extra person in the team? The thing was, with the pairing system, you had two points of control, because you were choosing who you got in one of your matchups, and the remaining person got paired up against your other person. So basically, you chose two matchups, your opponent chose two matchups. So I think it was a little bit more predictable than Siege, where 
you kind of you chose one, your opponent chose one, and one was completely random. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to say. I think, like Ed says, because of the two control points that you had over the parents, you could influence it. Um, there was a lot of times like we'd made up a matrix, and there was a few teams where we had a lot of ambers across the board, and that makes parents harder because you don't really necessarily have like two matchups that you really want. And when you're pairing on the basis of ambers, that's when things can go wrong. Um, but yeah, I think Siege was definitely... I, f- I found Siege's pairings were easier, because normally you had one pairing that was good, and then the other two yeah. were like meh. Okay, that's interesting. So do you want to just kind of go through a brief summary of how your first games actually went? Ed, do you want to start with your game? Uh, bad, so moving on. <laughs> Uh, this this is the worst tournament, oh, the worst game of the tournament for me. So uh, it's a good way to start. Uh, yeah, ogres. I I wanted the matchup. I thought I could do fairly well with it, and I think the the theory that I had was actually fine. But um, in practice, it was a little bit difficult. I kept his um, rock oryx over to one side. Uh, I chaffed them up. But uh, he ended up making a 16-inch charge with a unit of bruisers, um, which went into my general and then overran into my grail knights and basically just crumbled the whole army. So I, I, I let that charge go, thinking that his chances of making it were small. But he had nothing to, he had no risk in making it. I probably could have fled the general. I could have played that more conservatively, but. I, uh, I sort of played the odds and I thought, you know, 16-inch, he's not going to make that. I'm okay. And once he doesn't make that, I've got good charges set up. Uh, and it just didn't work that way. So by the end of the game, I had my BSB and one of my characters left. And I'd taken 1,400 points off of him. So it was a 5-15. It was a 15-5 to him. But he claimed the secondary without any difficulty. So it was a pretty hefty loss, that one. So it was really just a long charge on Digi there. Yeah, I mean, there were various things that I could have done better, but that was the that crippled my whole army, and that that was the problem with the army was that it was very brittle if it got the wrong circumstances. I guess it's yeah, hard I mean, it's got... sorry, Paul. No, I was just going to say. I mean, he's got two Rokoroks in his list. He's got two units, the three Tuskers, and he's got the Yetis. So he's quite quick anyway. Yeah, he was, and the Yetis caused all sorts of problems. They were they were they're a really good unit actually. So I, I took a couple of shots at the Yetis early on to get rid of some of them, but got pulled out of position and had to retreat after that. I took one of his Tuskers, but it wasn't a scoring unit, sadly, because we were playing Capture the Flags. Right. Um, so by the end of it, I just hadn't nearly done enough to his army, and he just crippled mine. So, I mean, he he was he was totally right. He took the long charges because there was no loss to him for doing it, and it worked for him, so... Yeah, I can't really complain at that. Okay, just how it goes, I suppose, sometimes. Not much you can do about it. It's just dice, yeah. just getting that extra pepper luck. I think if he'd failed that as well, like, he was going to trundle forward closer to you, and anything that gets you closer to an Equitine cavalry charge is <laughs> it's not a good idea, so... It's not good, but that wasn't the charge that I would have taken anyway, oh. so it was, you know, that was ten bruisers, I think, at that point. There's... No point me putting knights into that because they'll do a little bit of damage then they'll evaporate. So okay, fair enough. What about you, Andy? How did your uh, game one go? Um, so I was up against all these. Andy, board. Andy, Andy. 
Remember the system, yeah. Andrew. You're Andrew. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andy. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, no problem. Here's one. So, uh, first game was going okay for for most of it. I mean, King of the Vestine is not an army that I've had a lot of success against because. I've only ever played Ed before and have never won against Kingdom of Equitain, so I uh, wasn't really feeling it going into that particular match. I thought I was going to get my butt kicked again. But it was going okay. Uh, my opponent was clearly having some jitters, just like I think most people do at the start of of any tournament. Theirs hadn't quite settled yet, so there was took us quite a while to get started explaining what each other's units did, things like that. And um, I think we both made a couple of of errors in terms of placement, deployment, that kind of thing. However, I was in a good position toward the end of the battle. Uh, I'd taken out one of his scoring units because he'd gone after my war machines. I just turned my deep watch right around to charge the unit straight off the table. That was easy enough. That was a big unit of grails along with his uh, damsel. So it got me quite a lot of points. And I thought at that point, that's great. Turn my guys back around, sit pretty. However, I had mispositioned my greybeards and they took a flank charge that I hadn't seen was possible. They lost the combat, a rerollable six to stick. If they had stuck on that rerollable six, I would have won that. What would that have been? 16 4, but they broke, bounced through a whole bunch of units, that went off the table. So, drew the objective, lost the big block of greybeards. Uh, so close, but no cigar on that one. So it finished 11 9, which was alright. You know, it's a small win, and it's what that list was designed to do. It's win or lose, small or draw, preferably. Okay, cool. So again, it was just that little, one little bit of extra luck if you had held. Maybe it just would have gone that little bit differently in the end. Totally, totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's been repeated a couple of times throughout the tournament that, you know, hinging on a, a something that's quite manageable, but you just need a wee bit of luck in a certain role and that, that turns the tide of the game but, uh, yeah so it was, it was certainly an enjoyable match and my opponent was a uh, very nice individual cool that's always good I see he was he had druidism so he was regrowing shit as well presumably <laughs> well yeah that's good <laughs> or <story>. was he <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, yeah his, his magic phase at the start of the game uh, I think he had first turned well his first magic phase anyway he had a lot of power dice but he was too far away to do anything with them so he, he did one buff that was fine, didn't make any difference let it through and then he thought right okay I'll get this open thrown off and that'll be it, you know, potentially the rest of the game unless you know, I waste dice to spell on it. Uh, this is something that we talked about beforehand, uh, Ed had suggested using uh, well, some way of dealing with these big spells. In fact, the conversation came up because I was worried about the Wrath of, Wrath of Gods being so devastating to, to my list. Uh, is there something I can do about it? Maybe a, a dispel scroll rune that does the same thing. It occurred to me that a rune, a rune of Devouring would do even better, so it eats the spell, it goes off once and then, then it can no longer be used. And Ed suggested Druidism, use it on Oaken Throne. <laughs> so, I was waiting for him to cast the spell. Absolute genius. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I was waiting for him to cast a spell. Uh, he had no reason to cast it. He wasn't going to get any benefit from it in that turn, but it does it does remain in play. Uh, and as soon as he'd rolled the dice, I was like, right, it's gone. And he knew in that second he'd made a mistake. Like, <laughs> you were 
waiting for me to do that, you bastard. <laughs> so I apologise, I did explain it. If it wasn't the tournament, I would have said, by the way, I'm going to do this. You know, you know, don't do it. Uh, you know, I've been waiting for that opportunity. So no, he wasn't regrowing very much at all. Good. Uh, his magic didn't didn't swing the battle in any way. Okay, that's good. I hate Druidism. It's an amazing lore, but playing against it is so infuriating when they can regrow stuff. <laughs> There's no business coming back. I agree with that completely. <laughs> That uh, that tactic was courtesy of a conversation that I had with Henrik, where he was looking at what he could devour with his rune, and we basically worked out that uh, Oaken Throne was the ideal target, and we couldn't find anything in the rules that said it had to be a non non trait spell. So suddenly that option looked very inviting. I just think that's so good, it's so clever. <laughs> uh, what about you, Andrew? Do you want to take us through your game one? Yes, yeah, so it's definitely me this time. I'm not fucking up. No, no, it's all you. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was up against Ollie and his Infernal Dwarfs. And uh, during the pairing process, um, when we got, when Ollie and I got drawn, Ollie looked quite happy about it. And uh, I had Ollie done as an amber, and I was like, really, it could go either way. And he seemed really happy about it, and I was like, I fucked up here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were talking a bit beforehand, and he said that you wanted the matchup because he knows the Empire book pretty well. And I was like, okay. So I haven't really fucked up. And uh, Ollie had Infernal Dwarves and he had a big unit of Immortals with all his characters in it. Uh, Kadim, Titan, some of the um, oh, the flying fiery guys, what are they called? Incarnates. Incarnates, thanks, Ed. And a couple a couple of the War Machines and stuff like that. But it's really the, the hidden forces, the Titan and the Incarnates. So when we were deploying... I tried to trick him into thinking that I was going to go into one corner, and I dropped my chickens and knights on one side, and he dropped his immortals across from them. And uh, then I just dropped everything and dropped all my infantry in the opposite corner. And my plan was that I don't really want to fight the immortals, because he's probably just going to outslug me, because they're bodyguard. So I was going to move up with the cavalry and just basically run across the board and take the Titan out, take the Incarnates out if I can, and avoid the Mortals, because it's just not worth uh, the risk of getting involved with them. That was the plan, anyway. And it was Breakthrough as well, so the infantry were going to... Hopefully I was going to do some damage to the um, the Titan, which was deployed opposite the infantry, um, and then just march up in his objective with the infantry and take the secondary. However, so he had his Immortals across from a Cav, and besides his Cav... Uh, sorry, his immortals was a fucking goblin chief on a wolf. And this little fucker cost something like 130 points, but it essentially won all of the game. Because I did what I was going to do, I moved the, the cab round, the knights, and there was a hill as well, so it was perfect. So he couldn't see me, so I was just going to run, and by the time he either got over the hill um, or around it, I was going to be too far out of the way. It was only really the incarnates that could potentially catch them. Um, so it was all going well, but he moved his Goblin Chief up to within six of the knights. So I had to march test, and I failed the march test on an eight leadership role. I was too far away, obviously, because the infantry and the BSB in general were with the, uh, with the infantry. So I didn't have a reroll, and it essentially meant that my knights were fucked, because they were stuck behind this hill. The Immortals were going around one side and the Incarnates were going around the other. And there was no way I could move whereby I could get away from them. 
because I didn't have enough movement. If I if I hadn't failed the March test, I'd have been able to get away, and the Knights would have gone off and probably picked a fight with the uh, Titan. Uh, but alas, they were stuck, and basically what happened was the shooting wasn't effective, which is a theme throughout. And as tight, sorry, as um, incarnates and the immortals ended up getting into the Knights and just evaporated them essentially. The chickens managed to get round and they picked up some points, killing some goblins, um, and then went up um, into the deployment zone, I think. So, sorry, yeah, um, because the infantry were left unsupported, the Titan just kind of moseyed his way up. I tried to chaff him up as best I could, but um, it got to the stage where I sacrificed one of the support units to hold him up, and the rest of the infantry kind of just ran away around him. And uh, because he'd got the knights, and I hadn't really managed to get much points back, and he actually got the secondary in the end as well, because he got his immortals and his uh, little unit of the Torox in the deployment zone. He ended up getting 16, and I got 4, so it was a 13-7, but then he got the secondary. Pretty disappointing for a first game. Um, and we were talking about it afterwards, and you know, if, if the knights hadn't failed that March test, it would have been a different game, because I could have chosen my targets with the knights. Yeah, and, take and uh, was that the first time you had played Infernal Dwarves? Uh, it was actually, yeah. Uh, I knew I knew all of them, and I've read the book quite a lot, um, mainly because we had Matt coming up to Siege. So I never played them before, so I thought I'd better read the book. So I actually, I was quite comfortable with the army because I knew what everything did. But um, yeah, it was just a bit of a pain losing the knights because like that's it's nine hundred points, over nine hundred points actually for the knights, yeah. and to lose them without doing any damage whatsoever is uh, pretty frustrating. Yep, I can attest to that. Getting their models bodygunned off the table before they do anything, that's pretty heartbreaking as well. Ha ha ha! Yeah, I mean, Ollie was really fun to play against them. We had a good laugh when we were playing. But, um, I mean, my dice weren't particularly hot that game either. Like, my shooting was just not doing anything. Uh, I couldn't really use my magic because once the knights got fucked, um, the infantry can't go against the incarnates or the, 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 the titan. So there wasn't much point in getting them involved. Uh, the steam tank kind of moseyed about for a wee while. He took out one of the war machines and basically just tried to cause havoc. I did actually try and get him into the, the Titan, but the Titan got away. I don't think he would win that, but at least he pulled him up. But yeah, so it was really just a bit of frustration at failing that March test. Did you ever prelate in that unit as well? In the night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. But your general was a prelate as well? Yeah, so the, the general was the prelate on foot. And yeah. I also had a, a mounted prelate in the, in the night. Basically... If everything goes to plan, he goes in there, he gives them hatred, he gives them the reroll, potentially the yeah. flame attacks or the ward as well, and they should evaporate most things they hit. So no, I was just thinking you had lost your magic as well, that happened, but you still had access to some. Still had one, and this, this was a big thing as well that I kind of came to realise over the weekend, that when you're going up against, there was a lot of magic at the tournament, when you're going up against a lot of magic, the, the bounce spells don't really cut it, even with two of them. And I had the altar as well, but I did feel like my magic wasn't being particularly effective the way I used it. Totally right. There, a wizard master with the book basically means b- bound bound magic might as well not even be there. Yeah. Because you're plus four to the spell makes it really really hard to get anything through. Can totally attest to that difficulty of getting bound spells off when you're up against heavy magic users. Yeah. yeah. And because my army relies so much on getting those buffs and the synergies, when you don't have that, you're just stuck with toughness three, strength two guys. Um, who will just get munched by everything. So I th- that was an oversight on my behalf. And I think, obviously, we don't have much of uh, 1.3 left, but 
I've got like obviously we've got a meet coming up next week, uh, and I'm going to bring some magic because it's something that I've never really been interested in because I really like the prelates. But I think maybe it's something I'm going to have to look into, especially going into 2.0. Cool. And uh, how did Michael get on? I just get one. Michael's game was hilarious. So Michael was playing uh, next to me, and he was not happy about playing elves. <laughs> and he was he kept telling me like I'm going to lose big, just like be nice to me. And I'm like, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Uh, and apparently the first couple of turns it was going really bad, like he was just getting shot to shit, and um, he, he called me over to ask me something at one point, and he basically had his gargantula looking at a unit of line guard, and he was like, do I go in? His, his gargantula's maybe taking a couple of wounds, and he said, if I go in and I bust them, then I can get in behind them, uh, the rest of the stuff, but if I go in, hit them, and I don't kill them, then I'm, I'm basically screwed. I, actually, I said to him, well, I don't know if it's You've got nothing to lose by not doing it because the way he was, there was another unit that was going to get the, the spider anyway. Right. So he ended up going for it. He, he punked the line guard who did fuck all back to him. And then I think, was that a pump wagon? Something went into the lion chariot general and killed him. It was the uh, shaman on the wyvern. Shaman on the wyvern, that's right. He got the super surge off. Yeah. <laughs> like killed this uh, high elf general in the chariot. And then all of a sudden, the high-up army just started to disintegrate around them. Uh, so it went from looking really, really bad to looking really, really good, really, really quickly. <laughs> and uh, Michael ended up getting a 16-4 out of that. So he went from very depressed at the start of the game to absolutely ecstatic at the end of it. And he was like, right, okay, round two, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. So, yeah, so yeah. the team got some luck. Yeah, no, definitely. I think things went Michael's way, definitely, in, the, in that game. How did you, like, as the team captain, like, how did you... Kind of use your timeouts and stuff for the tournament. Just like you kind of mentioned a couple of times, like you using them was that something that was quite on your mind? Like yeah, to well, see actually, how people yeah. get on. Because actually, in the map, this is something that I didn't quite realize. I just kind of took it as a given. But in the pack, um, they didn't actually allocate any timeout time. Oh, they didn't. No, um, I think because I was just so I was so preoccupied with siege before it, and we'd kind of talked a lot about that it should be timeout times and stuff like that. Um, but you know, a lot of the time. People, it was just casual. Like people were asking uh, the captain or the player next to them, like a quick question. Or uh, there was times where we were playing guys, and they were like, "Could we just have a minute?" And you know, as long as both, oh, that's cool. both sides are yeah. fine with that, that's, that's totally cool. Yeah, and like the veil nice. boys were the same. Because um, I said, "Would you mind if we had a quick like, captain talk?" And they were like, "No, no, that's fine. We'll do the same." It, it was um, there wasn't the same formality as there was at siege, but it was fine. Okay, that's good. Like teams having that same kind of philosophy on it, and yeah, yeah. no one kind of awkward or anything. That's good. That's something we should say. I think all the teams we played um, were like really good guys. I, I personally didn't have a bad opponent all weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed all the games. Awesome. So I think I'm right in saying that you guys came out of game one with 33 points. Fuck all, yeah, basically. Well, I mean, you say fuck all. That's more than some of the other teams have picked up. We we weren't capped, so. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have that. That's a rarity for the weekend, by the way. <laughs> okay. We were only capped once, I think, weren't we? Uh, I don't know. In fact, yeah, I'm pretty sure we were only capped on game two. The rest of the games were fine, I think. Yeah, okay. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how. No, we'll go I'm with sure that. That couple... sounds good. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were capped in the sense that you. Well, yeah, we'll get to the score. Okay. We'll get to that <laughs> game two. Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay, so going into game two, how what was the kinda the team match? How were you guys feeling? Really good. 
really good because we've done not very well. Therefore, we're going to be up against an easy opponent in the next round. <laughs> so we <thought>. However, <laughs> when, when we saw who our opponents were going to be, we thought, hmm, maybe not. All right, okay, so who were your opponents going into game two then? So we played uh, the Old Boys Club, uh, which were uh, Tanka, Leggy, Ama, and Raf. And the reason you'll know all those names if you're listening, or you might know all those names, is because those guys are all England ETC players and are very experienced tournament players. They were basically using the weekend, they were kind of just approaching it a bit more cash, I think. And uh, like he did random pairings all weekend, which is admirable. So there was kind of like mind games going on because you were approaching them and they were doing all this random shit. And you were like, ah, we should get something out of this. But then you realise actually <laughs> they're all very good players. So it was a painful awakening. So how did the pairing go down for game two? Uh, so for game two, um, the old boys had a vampire dragon list and. Um, I think, Ed, you had the choice, didn't you, in this one? I think I took one for the team with yeah. the, the theme behind that one. Yeah, so Ed very kindly took <laughs> took the bus to the face and said, I'll have a go at the zombie dragon. Um, I got a really good matchup, well, I thought it was a really good matchup, and I got uh, Tanka, who was bringing his Dread Elves, and it was very MSU, and um, I was okay with that. Uh, Andy, you got Amit, is that right, with his Kingdom Act team? Yeah, it was Raph, wasn't it? Yeah, I played Raph, Stevens. Oh, lost Stevens. So, um, Ed, do you want to talk about your game too? Uh, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed my game. Uh, despite going into it, I didn't know much about uh, Leggy. I kind of heard mostly about his uh, his uh, experience and his stature before uh, after the fact. So, uh, I probably was less intimidated than I might have been otherwise. <laughs> Did I ask why he's called Leggy? I have no idea. I can't tell you that, I'm afraid. He is a leg fetish, I imagine. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I kind of went in not expecting to win the game, but I thought maybe I can dance around. Vampires don't have the most mobile army. Everything I've got is movement eight. And uh, I was able to use the terrain to my advantage. I picked the side. I put myself on the side where there were lots of impassable and buildings and basically as much as possible to block the way for his army so he brought his army forward i managed to isolate his winged reapers and take them out and once they were gone then his dragon got stuck in and took one of my characters and uh hit my grail knights i managed to just about recover after that kind of forced his dragon back my grail knights didn't rally which cost me a win in the end we shared the secondary and I put a charge in on his zombie dragon in the last turn with two characters, my BSB and my uh, general. And uh, I did 3d3 wounds, which turned into three wounds. And his zombie dragon was left on one wound at the end of that combat. So it was a big risk. I took it. Uh, it got me a 10-10 in the end. But it was frustratingly close to killing that zombie dragon and probably... Maybe going to 12, 12 or thir- uh, twelve or thirteen win. So it was a good game, though. I really enjoyed it. Good. And um, had you had much experience playing the vampires? I actually uh, played Chris Mintz's Zombie Dragon list online, which inspired 
all of the um, <laughs> yeah, all of them, <laughs> all, all of them, uh, in the in the shifting side, the shifting sands tournament. So I actually had an experience of playing against this list. I almost killed his dragon in that game as well. <laughs> so I knew that they were vulnerable if you could hit them with the right things. Uh, but yeah, it was always going to be a challenge to get a guarantee. You were never. I was never going to get a guaranteed kill. It was always going to be a risk. Uh, what about you, Andy? Your game against Raph. How did that go? So, I played against the fastest list <laughs> ever. In the world. <laughs> in the world. Doesn't get any faster than this. All the units move sideways as quickly as they move forwards. <laughs> that, that's absolutely true. It's scary. So I deployed in the corner. <laughs> Hoping to shoot his courtesan of lust. In fact, this was my preferred matchup. Of the four, I figured... There's a big, nasty demon worth a quarter of the points of the list. If I can get a couple of lucky shots. Catapult, cannon, doesn't matter. The wound on twos, uh, and that would be great. So he uh, deployed his demon uh, courtesan of lust 60 inches away from my war machines and kept it there for the entire game. So I didn't get a single shot off. But that's cool. That's cool. Man. Uh, I could aim a few shots at some of the scoring units. So this was flags. So I wanted to like, take out at least one scoring unit. Uh, so the catapult would still, you know, do a few wins during the game. He did find it kind of difficult to get past the the brick in the corner. That was causing him some problems, which gave me a bit of heart because you know, guy was a very good player. Uh, so it you know gave me a bit of confidence the fact that he was struggling to actually get past my units. I was you know maneuvering them quite well, keeping everything at bay, as it were. Uh, but once his uh, scoring units, the sirens, took a bit of damage from the catapults, they started to move toward the board end, toward the corner of the board as well. Uh, and so he ended the game with roughly half his army in the opposite corner uh, to my <laughs> army, out of range of everything that I've got. Right, okay. uh, and I was on on course to to get either a draw or just a very small loss, despite my opponent playing with only half his army, until I made one mistake. Uh, and didn't spot that sort of twenty odd inch charge. Not the sort of thing you often look for. But <laughs> most of most of his army were made up of uh, I think fiends or Claude fiends. That is it. Yeah, clod fiends. Uh, small, lots of fairly small units of clod fiends of uh, the the mounted lust fast cav or the sirens. The sirens. So they all they all move. Well, you know, you can just go from one end of the table to the other in a couple of turns. Uh, and he saw one opening. Took it again. Got a wee bit of luck in terms of no. In fact, there wasn't any luck in that. They it auto broke my greybeards once again. They took, they deployed wide. So they'd re- gone from a brick to a long line, uh, sort of too too deep with a third rank of maybe four or five uh, to stop. You know any any of these quick units getting past it into my war machines. But like I say, I, I didn't see this flank charge, and once they get into the flank, they. You know, they won the combat by nine, and the guys ran off the board, and that was the five point swing. If I'd seen that, turned the unit a little bit, uh, that would have been much, much closer. But uh, it was still a very good game, uh, and you know, really sort of schooled in how to keep manoeuvring units in terms of their facing, keeping things out, uh, and uh, yeah, so fifteen five ended, and you know, I, I didn't get tabled by a very good opponent, so I'm not unhappy with that. That's always a plus. What about you, Andrew? How was your game one? Game two, rather. I did get tabled by a very good opponent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I played against Tanker, um, and he brought a very, very MSU Dread Elf list. 
did how did he uh, fit all this on the table? Did he fit it on the table? Yeah, because I'm looking at it and I'm like, holy yeah, shit, there's, there's a lot of units. units yeah, uh, he did fit it on the table. The drops were quite funny because I was kind of wanting to. <laughs> the only thing that I'm really scared of in that list are the executioners because a lot of my stuff, like my heavy hitters, rely on their armor and executioners with the lethal strike and just generally being uh, little bastards will eat armor. So I didn't really want to get involved with them, but I quickly realized they were going to be his last drops because he was dropping like 10 Corsairs, 10 Corsairs, 10 Corsairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, fuck this. Um, <laughs> so the game started off and I had my chickens on my writer and my writer on one side and most of my other stuff in the other corner, basically. And my plan was I'll shoot him because I've got more shooting than him. I'll soften him up and then I'll push. And I'll, I, I was looking for, <laughs> to be painfully honest, I was looking for a big win here because there wasn't really anything in the list that scared me. And playing against Monroe's Dread Elves quite a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the only thing that I really don't like in the Dread Elf book is Executioners and the, the Divine Altar. And little 10-man Executioner blocks aren't as scary as 20-man blocks. So I thought this will be fine. And he'd also put his Mage in like actually in the table's corner uh, in a 10-man Corsair unit. So, and he left this gap that I could fit the chickens and the writers through. So I thought it's worth a punt going up and trying to take out his mage. And if I lose those two units, then I think I'll do okay elsewhere, so it won't really matter. Um, so the, the writer flew through the gap and basically spent three turns trying to panic this bunker off the field, and he just pa- he was passing the tests. Um, the chickens kind of got stuck because the executioners uh, ran over to them, and eventually they got um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> the rest, like, my dice were actually pretty good this game, and I was doing a lot of damage for the shooting, and I, I think it gave me false confidence, because this was flags as well, <laughs> and I managed to mortar off two of scoring, like, the flag units uh, by turn, yeah. turn two. So I was thinking, right, this is going to go my way. And uh, he was starting to suffer casualties from the pistol militia as well. So I made a mistake and I pushed. And I pushed up with the infantry and uh, swung the knights around to kind of get it on one side to support the infantry. A unit of fucking pistol militia got beaten up by some dark shades. Did they flee? Yeah, they fled, the fuckers. They fled and they ran through the knights who, yet again, failed the leadership 8 roll and ran off the field without fighting anything. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. I was like, I wasn't even surprised actually. When it happened, I was like, of course that happened, that's fine. Um, so <laughs> that kind of made me think, right, I really need to push now to get my points back. And uh, I basically just got outplayed. Um, like, hats off to Tanker. He just, he knew exactly what to do. And I pushed up. The infantry hit the uh, tower guard, who basically just stood the infantry at standstill, and he managed to get Corsairs round. Because everything's MSU, it was very quick and mobile. On. He managed to get everything round, and he basically just crumpled all the infantry. And uh, I, I, I didn't have much left by the end of the game. I think I only had like a mortar <laughs> left. Jeez. Everything else was gone. And that was just testament to me thinking the matchup was good and not taking into account how good the player was. And uh, I just I pushed when I shouldn't have. I mean, Tanker was really good to play against. It was good fun. But um, I'll, at the end of that game, I just felt like I'd made a big mistake and I just underestimated uh, the list and the player. Alas. So that was a 20 0 to Tango. Sucks. It does, but that was a good lesson as well for me because, like, we don't really, none of our guys really play MSU. And on paper, nope. and I've, like, I've seen 
battle reports and stuff where people come up against MSU, and I've never been impressed by it. And I, I totally understand what people say, like, if a player uses MSU and knows how to use it, it's so hard to play against. And I think I just came up against that. Because it's not, you will win the first combat, probably, but it's the counter charges that he then sets up. And it's not yeah. just one, it's like everything etching flanks and stuff, and it just, ugh, it's nasty. So yeah, that was a rude awakening, and uh, it wasn't particularly a good continuation after the first game. Uh, anyway, but... Michael, he was up against Amit, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we should preface this game by the fact that <laughs> Michael was getting serious rage about uh, dice. <laughs> before oh, really? Played. Yeah. <laughs> We Ed. did say his dice were fucking awful. Oh, no, this wasn't about rolling dice. I think Ed should tell this, because uh, Ed had to explain <laughs> some. Well, so there were two things that came up during this game. One of them was the ETC um, tradition, or I don't know what you would call it, the protocol, that if a dice lands on anything apart from the table, it's re-rolled. Right. So I came across this, I thought it was strange, took me a bit to get used to, but, you know, whatever. If that's what people want to do, I don't really care. Um... But Michael took exception to the fact that uh, this was then applying to dice that were completely flat, dice that were on paper, you know, basically dice that he thought that dice was fine, there was no need to re-roll it. So he took exception to that, and then there was a whole discussion about uh, re-rolling, if you have to re-roll successful wounds and re-roll failed wounds, those things cancel out, so you just don't bother with the first roll which took him a little bit of time to get his head around. This is a so. mathematician as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't even understand. What, what, what did he think? Well, so, you know, if, um, if I've got re-roll successful, if I've got re-roll failed wounds and I'm attacking yeah. you, and yeah. you've got re-roll successful wounds, yeah. then the kind of protocol is that you just ignore the first roll, you don't even bother rolling it. Right. Because you have to re-roll every single dice. So... I think in the heat of the moment, the the logic of that had possibly passed him by. So uh, there was, yeah, there was a somewhat heated discussion over. <laughs> I think he, I think he felt that he was being a bit etc'd, which I can understand. I've been there. Okay, was that in the rule pack for the Midlands about the dice thing? No, no. But to be fair, Amit, Amit made clear at the start because actually heard him that that's what he was going to do, which is completely fine. Like, I think if you agree before the game, there's no issue. Think, oh, yeah. so he said that before the game started. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Michael kind of agreed to it, but didn't really realise what he was agreeing to. And then, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ma- Michael assumed that he was agreeing to Miro and caught dice. Yeah. And Michael oh, okay. was like, "Yeah, fucking obvious. Fuck's sake. Obvious. Like you <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the game itself. Yeah. So sorry, I just found all that bit really amusing because I'd already been pumped <laughs> by this point, so I got to watch Michael get really frustrated every time. <laughs> yeah, we have we have no idea how the game went. Because all we heard was about the dice. Yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> oh, right, okay. That's all we took away from the game at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Can I, you remember I your score at least? Uh, his score was 16-4 to Amit. Right, okay, um, so he picked up some points. Yeah, I remember Michael actually saying to me, I think it was like turn two, that it was going okay. So I think maybe right. uh, Amit just kind of turned the screws in the latter game. I mean, Michael took 1,345 points, which is okay. It's not yeah. obviously game winning, but I mean that's an okay point hole to take when you lose a sixty four, so um I don't I don't really know what happened in that game. Uh, and I'm sorry Michael if I've done that injustice. Sorry, Michael said that the game itself was absolutely fine, that uh, other than kind of the, the sort of rules strange rules that he came across, that his opponent was a perfect gentleman as well. Yeah, because all the guys were really nice and I thought it was the funniest thing about it 
was when because uh, obviously I'd been pumped by this stage when I came over and I was watching Michael and, and like Amit trying to explain to Michael about the rerolls and uh, Michael looking really confused and Amit looking really confused just because like he didn't know what he wasn't getting <laughs> right okay so that filled my heart with joy after being there uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay so you guys took 19 points that round is that right <laughs> no, the, uh, the other guys took 19 points. I took fuck all. <laughs> no, as, sorry. The team took 19 points. Okay. But you were capped at 30. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got 30 points. Blessing. Is that what you were talking about, Andy, when you were talking about there was a round that you were capped? Yeah, this I, I believe this was the only round that we scored less than 30. Therefore, yeah. the only round yeah. we were actually capped. And a couple of other teams round about us, I think, got capped a few times. Yeah, so game three, last game of the day. Who were you guys up against? We played against Pigmar. Pigmar? Yeah. How'd that go down? Uh, I was actually, too, when we got drawn, I had conflicted emotions because um, <laughs> I really wanted to play these guys, but I'd just been pumped two games in a row, and I was starting okay. to feel like this might hurt. <laughs> um, so for this game, I got drawn against uh, Mal Patel, who brought his Jurassic Park Story Nation. Michael played none other than Tom Taylor, aka Tommy Tucker, which was very jealous. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Ed, you played Jack, is that right, Jack Austin? I think I was feeling overly confident after the uh, first vampire game. I was like, <laughs> I can, I I can, can do it. Vampires. <laughs> vampires are easy. And Andy, you played Phil? With the Vermin Swarm, yeah. Cool. And um, did you get the parents you were looking for, or were um, you screwed when it came to that? What happened? Well, Ed fancied his chances against the undead because he was on a vampire high. Right, okay. Um, we put... They had the choice between myself and Andy for something, for the Vermin Swarm, that was right. And um, Andy got the Vermin Swarm, which we were fine with. Uh, Michael going against Tom was oh. good because Michael's got a lot of stuff that fucks with the armor. Yep. So we thought that was a good matchup. Um, I think the worst one was me going against Mal because he had... Two cowboys, two taurosaurs, uh, MSU saurus everywhere, and lots of skinks. Uh, so right. that, that was a red on mine, but I kind of thought, after my first two performances, how much worse could it get? So uh, <laughs> let's just go with it. Okay. So do you want to talk about your game just now then, Andrew? Yeah, sure. Um, so I first, and I apologise to Mal on the day, because I had come out with two bad losses, and I was going into this game, which was not looking good on paper. I played really defensively. And I actually felt really shitty for doing it, and I shouldn't have done it with hindsight. I should have just gone for it. But Mal was really good fun to play against. So yeah, so he had two, you know, bullshit cowboys. He had druidism coming out of the wazoo, uh, three taurosaurs, what's the MSU, saurus, and then some skinks and stuff. So I basically cornered, and I put my knights in a position where if I wanted to push later on, they could kind of slip out from behind us. Uh, there was like a hill in a building. So I was using that to cover, and they could slip round and maybe take some points late game. And it was hold the centre. And it just, it wasn't going to happen. Because even if I park all my infantry on the centre, um, he's just got too many units that will get around and get flanks and stuff. So basically I just, we shot each other for a few turns, because Mal walked up to the objective and didn't go any further, because he didn't want to essentially just risk the combat when he knew that I wasn't really wanting to commit. Uh, so it got to like, end of turn one, and um, I kind of slapped myself out of my slump, and I was joking around and stuff. And then I saw that the build, he's like marched up past the building, so the building was now offering cover to my knights. So if my knights could get round the building, I could get in his backfield. And the knights would evaporate all the little Saurus units. So I was like, right, I'll go do that. I'll take points where I can. 
hopefully disrupt them enough and then maybe they'll keep and pushing late game and take the second game. Uh, but I completely forgot about bolt throwers because the um, the Taurosaurs each had the great bows on them. I thought that it was just the big shot that was AP6, not all shots on the bolt throwers. So my knights moved up and their arse end was just poking out of the building. So you could see like along the flanks of the three Taurosaurs who were basically moving up in a line. Shit. So... Uh, he fired all three, hit with all three, and wiped out seven knights, uh, which decimated the unit. And that was just complete oversight on my behalf. There was no excuse for that. Um, so then I was stuck like the prelate was just left there with the champion and the standard <laughs> going, fuck! <laughs> uh, so they actually, I, I was at the stage in the game where I was like, right, I'll throw them in a unit. If it pops it, great. Um, if not, then they're not going to do much anyway. And I was like, nah, you should hold them back, just save the points. And I was like, nah, fuck it. I've had a shit day. I want to kill something. <laughs> uh, turns out that's not enough uh, knights to kill a Saurus. <laughs> they hit the Saurus, didn't kill them, got flanked, died. But that was pretty much the game, and uh, we just basically sat and shot each other. And I was actually hitting stuff with the artillery, like I was putting wounds on the Taurosaurs and the Cowboys, but um, he was just regrowing it with Druidism. Yeah. So, and uh, shamanism as well, on the list. Yeah. The shamanism didn't come into too much, it was really the, the Druidism. But um, it was quite funny, you sent one cowboy off to chase the chickens, and the chickens just ran round in circles around a bit of impassable, and they kept chasing for five turns. <laughs> so that was good awesome. fun. Um, I was a really good opponent. I'm just sorry that I didn't give him a, a better game. And with hindsight, I probably should have, but alas. It was a good game nonetheless. It's the main thing. How about you, Andy, in your game? Uh, my game okay. three yeah. against the Vermin Swarm, yeah. That could have gone better. You know, and I thought I would do... Uh, Sorry, you play Vermin Swarm fairly recent, uh, regularly, don't you? Robert, who, yeah. who I've played uh, a few times, he was in the team with Michael and myself for Strivel and Siege. So yeah, we've had a few practice games, you know, working up for that tournament. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and he's played it, you know, for a while. Uh, and obviously my kid plays Gavin, so I've got a, some insight into the list. Of extra grudge as well against Vermin Swarm, so I thought I had quite a good matchup here. However didn't play all that well. I mean, I basically made a one big mistake that kind of decided the game, I reckon. Maybe not a mistake, but certainly things didn't go my way in a pivotal matchup. So he had, um, let's think, so quite a few of the, the Vermin Hulks, the smaller oh, ones. Vermin Hulks, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So a big unit of Vermin Hulks with his general on sort of what they're called a Vermin Hulk bodyguard creature that he rides. Never seen one of those before, not like not on the table anyway. He also had a big unit of Plague Brotherhood with the Plague Pendulum, which is a nightmare for anybody to play against. Uh, a couple of smaller units of the Thunderhawks, which have got the sort of various shooting weapons, the, the rattling guns and things like that, flamethrowers, all sorts of nastiness. Two Dreadmills, which I had no idea how scary these things are in the shooting phase. Uh, so my opponent had... Two dreadmills and a unit of uh, giant rats, 30 giant rats, there purely to soak up wounds. It was just like a, a moving wound soaker upper, which is an incredible <laughs> idea. One dreadmill got, you know, close enough to one of my vengeance seekers that it deleted it like that. And it does multi wounds as well, so, uh, I had no idea about that, just how devastating they were, but to be honest, my opponent didn't even really need them. Took a charge. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. so, so I mean he, he just deployed pretty much all the way across the board I, I deployed in the middle hoping to make use of a field uh, flaming on my 
uh, crossbow dwarfs. So I thought, right, I'll force him to come through the field. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't occur to him that he was going to be flammable until he actually went to move the models and, you know, he, he just took the damage in the end. But I figured, yep, you'll go through that field, I'll pour in the flaming shots and hopefully do enough damage to this unit that when it does hit my lines, uh, you know, it'll just, I'll be able to hold it up and get something in the flank. And it almost worked. Uh, but in the crucial turn when this uh, unit of quarrelers had, or unit of crossbowmen had to hold, after doing a fair bit of damage to the unit, I didn't get any magic off in that phase. I rolled like two ones for my magic. And I also rolled a one, a one and a two when I went to cast one spell. So any buff on this unit of crossbow guys would have been enough to hold. And I could have got one of my bigger blocks in the flank of his general's unit. But in the end, they just tore straight through. Uh, and the guys didn't hold. Uh, I did manage to salvage some points. Uh, it, I think basically took out pretty much everything I had. Once those vermin hulks were past the, the crossbow doors, they were then able to just delete war machines. Took out both war machines. My vengeance seekers get taken out to slings. I think the unit of wow. Uh, what, what are the guys with the slings? The gutter, uh, gutter, 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 gutter runner, footpads. Foot, foot, sorry, footpads. Oh, yep. Yeah. So one unit. <laughs> A unit of fruit pads with slings uh, took out a vengeance seeker in the forest. So this is a model with, you know, toughness four, three wounds, hard target distracting in a forest, one round of shooting, gone from a like basic unit. I think the unit had <laughs> ten or fifteen, ten, ten models, twenty shots. Uh, it was no good. The other vengeance seeker got taken out by by that dreadmill through a piece of impassable terrain. So apparently, the shooting attack on a dreadmill. You know, it deletes whatever unit is nearest, even if that is through impassable terrain. Really? And that caught me by surprise. Well, there's nothing in the rules that say needs line of sight. All it says is nearest unit takes hit. And lightning. Yeah. It's much like well, magic, I, basically. Bloody hell. I guess it goes around the corner or whatever. So, yeah, that took me by surprise. So, yeah, I was left with nothing but the Deep Watch with all the characters in it. Everything else is dead. Uh, looking at a 20 nil, however, uh, managed to charge a couple of his units. His unit with the playing pendulum grounded down, took out his BSB. General's unit got away. Uh, I charged it, it fled. I charged another unit, it fled, and in the end, he got the secondary. Uh, so I managed to claw the points back to 11 9, but he ended up getting the secondary, so uh, 14 6, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm not sure you could lose 20 nil with your uh, deep watch still intact, can you? <laughs> what is it? You need 70% more points, and I'd killed pretty much none of his units at that time. You must uh, have more than 30% had, like, in, your, uh, in that unit with the characters now. So, 666 for the deep watch, 750 odd for the king. No, you're quite right. It, was, it would never be a a 20 unless he took it. But it, it wouldn't have been far away. It would have been oh, sort of look at Eddie, you can't lose 20, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, how did your uh, round two against the vampires go? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, was, this was my best game of the tournament. It was my only win of the tournament, but uh, I was totally buzzing after this game. I was very happy. So I played against Jack Austin, who I played online a while ago. Yeah, and he utterly thrashed me with a Sylvan Elf list, so I was quite happy for the chance to get back at him. I think he picked me deliberately to have a go again. We were playing secure targets, so I put mine, I put one target on the other side of a building, or right next to a building, 
to uh, take advantage of the fact that I could move around the building quicker than any of his units could uh, and still be within six inches. And he put his target right slap bang in the middle of the table. Uh, then he dropped a big unit of 50 skeletons on the target that was out of the way, basically to try and stop me from getting it or to ensure that he got a unit on it. Um, but by dividing his forces, he ended up leaving his back line fairly exposed and everything I had was fast. So I just went round his army. I got charges onto the two altars of undeath and I popped them one after the other, overran into his necromancer bunker with, I think, five units in total. And after two turns, it just disappeared along with all his necromancers. So all he had left was his vampire. His vampire's unit with the big barrel guard unit was coming round, so I chaffed them up with my BSB. He charged, I challenged, he took it with his vampire, and I killed his vampire. Uh, <laughs> so at that point, there was just this big unit of barrel guard with a BSB in it, um, which was causing me problems because I kind of got greedy uh, and tried to go after a 20 that I didn't really need. Uh, I had a couple of goes at the White King. I think I left him on one wound, which meant that it was a... I think, was it a 19-1 in the end, that game? can't remember. Yeah, 19-1. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a big win. I think Jack was a little bit worse square for alcohol at the beginning, <laughs> and uh, that, that only got progressively worse as the game went on. But uh, basically, I think the fact that my army could get round the back of his entirely and the fact that he split his army cost him the game. Uh, and a bit of luck on my part, and... and I think he miscasts quite heavily. Oh, because of the um, the tome, uh, I forget the item. Yeah. There's none. The undead book that. Dark tome. Uh, yeah, which uh, adds two dice to a misspell. Mm-hmm. So his miscast on three dice turned into a miscast on five. Uh, so his his <laughs> his his uh, zombie bunker was looking a bit bedraggled by the time I got into it. I mean, to be honest, some of those combats I was winning by twenty resolution. And the units were just disappearing. So, wow. good old zombies. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, I was going to ask you Ed, on a scale of one to ten, how drunk was Jack? But <laughs> it depends. Depends. At the start of the game, I'd have said you know a three or a four. By the end of the game, it was something like a nine or a ten. <laughs> yeah, so he's like D three plus the turn number. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> That was a good result, though, because that's a, I mean, oh, Jack's obviously a very good player. That's a good list that he brought. It's really hard to break down. So uh, I think he, he, no matter the state he was in, it was a good effort. Uh, so yeah, Michael played against uh, the one and only Tommy Tucker. And uh, Tom wasn't happy about the matchup. Uh, he was telling Mal that Mal had betrayed him and that uh, he'd fed him to Oxen Goblins and he wasn't happy about it. Um, <laughs> and Michael was quite happy about it because A, he, get, he got to play Tom but also uh, it's a good matchup for him so the first few turns seemed to go in Michael's favour he was starting to do a lot of damage with his random stuff including, and this is the MVP across the board for all the whole tournament. whole tournament MVP is Michael's uh, pump wagon the one that's a pirate ship, or Ed's pump wagon that's a pirate ship, uh, charged a Lord of Chaos and killed him with impact hits. <laughs> Fucking hell. Was he a full wounds? He, couldn't, he wasn't a full wounds, was no, he? No, I, I think he'd taken some damage, but still, I, there was a big mountain in front of him and he just fucked it. 
Jeez. So, uh, yeah, that's why I want to get a warrior head to uh, yeah. attach to the pirate ship. <laughs> that's awesome. So good. What is? How does the pump wagon work on with impact hits? What strength is it? 2d6 strength 4 with an additional 2 AP, so it's minus 3 to armor. Minus 3 to armor. Looking at Tom's list, he had a 1-up, 6-up on that guy. Yeah, so he's saving on a 4-up, 6-up. That sucks. However, um, Tom managed to turn the screws in the last couple turns, and uh, because I looked over at one stage, and Michael said, yeah, it's going really well, and then I looked over again a couple turns later, and uh, Michael said, no, it's going really badly. And Tom had all kinds of shit into Michael's goblin units. And there's just dead bodies getting pulled out everywhere. So I think once he got past the random stuff, uh, what yeah. actually looked really good, Michael hadn't managed to get enough damage through. And when he got in, he just started channeling. Um, Warriors with paired weapons. He's got chosen with paired weapons. Yeah, that's not going to go well for goblins. Yeah. So um, it ended uh, 18-2 to Tom. Right. But um, Michael said that he, he loved the game. He had a really good time, and they, they seemed to have a good laugh as well. So That's good. I think that was a really good round, like really fun team to play against. Um, but we just maybe just didn't get the the results. I don't know how to feel about that. I'm conflicted because I'm a Warriors player. I like seeing Warriors win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've played that list against Warriors a few times, and you know the the core of it is you've got to hold them up. You've got to thin them down. Uh, and then hopefully you take your chances to finish off what's left. Uh, but if you don't thin them enough and you don't delay them enough, then you get screwed. So Yeah, it's hard because like, you've got that much random stuff that could do such good damage against armor that yeah. if you don't clear your chaff, and you've got so much of it to deal with, like if you just don't have that capability in your list, it really struggles. So it's a, it's a, good, it's a good matchup. So yeah, I can totally appreciate that. So after your third round, you guys took another 31 points. So for the day, you were sitting at 94. How are you feeling at the end of game three? I could have played two more games. <laughs> <laughs> were you just getting into your... Were you just hitting your strides after that? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I was just kind of annoyed at myself. Because apart from, like, even in the tanker game where I was quite clearly outplayed, I, I pushed when I didn't really need to... And there was just errors that I was making, and I was getting frustrated at the knights because the knights were doing fuck all, and it was really annoying me. So yeah, I was just kind of a bit frustrated at myself. But we went for curry and beer after it, so I felt better after it. <laughs> That's good. What about you, yeah, Andy? Yeah. How were you feeling after it? Yeah, I was kind of looking back at a couple of mistakes I'd made, but sort of fairly optimistic for the following day. I was, I was kind of looking at the end there. I was looking to see, you know, they're going to tell us who we're playing next. The following day, can we have a you know, look over the list that we're going to be up against the following day? But that, that didn't happen, which is fair enough because we didn't know. We weren't meant to know who we were playing in the first round, only by virtue of the grudge. With the any games, did we know who our first round opponent would be? But otherwise, we it would have been drawn on that morning. So that was fair enough. But yeah, we were looking forward to, to relaxing definitely at that point. And it was good because like, we, went, we went to um, an uh, Indian restaurant and we kind of just sat and chilled for a few hours. And- had a couple of beers. It was a nice kind of relaxation after a, a pretty hard day on the anus, it has to be said. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So going into day two then, when was it they actually told you who you were going to be playing against? Was it like an hour, half an hour beforehand? or Like maybe, I don't know, like 15 minutes? Right, okay. So, so it was literally yeah. just 
who you're playing against such and such goal. Yeah, pretty much. basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. How did you find that? Was that quite difficult? I think you can outsight yourself a bit when you're looking at matchups. I mean, obviously having time to prep is good, but because we were kind of in the way of the... Well, I, I felt anyway, I, I was kind of in the way of the tournament. I wasn't particularly bothered about knowing who I was going to play. And I kind of said to the guys before, like, at night, I was like, I, I, I'm not playing defensive tomorrow, I'm just going for it. And they were like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea, Andrew. <laughs> 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 so I was like, no, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh, I knew my game plan, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I mean, we'd prepped, we'd prepped and looked over all the lists, really. Yeah, um, yeah, to be fair, yeah. So, you know, it didn't really make a difference. And, yeah, I think sometimes you can overthink these things as well. Yeah, especially when you consider you actually don't know who you're going to be playing. Even if you knew the team you were up against, there's still a fair amount of random, you know, chance in the pairing process. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, so really, yeah, you, you can want to play against a certain list from a given team, but your chances of actually getting that list are unlikely because you're, you know, the opposing team probably don't want that matchup and they'll be doing what they can to get favourable matchups for themselves. So really, you know, over planning it, just, you know, thinking who do I want to play against, who do I not want to play against, at least one or two of those games we ended up playing against, you know, the list that we didn't want. Certainly my next, what, the fourth game uh, I haven't played against Sorry the Ancients before, which is you know, you just can't really plan for these things. Yeah. There's only so, so much control you get in the pairing process. And sometimes you don't really know who's going to take the hit until you're actually pairing. Because it's so much yeah. that depends on who they put down as well. So so who was it you guys were actually paired up against for your both games? Uh, Team Manhammer. Who played who? Uh, I played Adam Lake with the Vermisworm. Um, Andy, you played Sandy. Which is cute. <laughs> <laughs> Andy versus Sandy, yep, uh, against the dinosaurs, yep. Dinosaurs. Uh, you played Rob? Yep, the Infernal Dwarves. And uh, Michael played Luke Transfer with the Space Turrets. Cool. So, uh, Andy, you want to take us through your game first? Yep, totally. So, I uh, hadn't played against the Orient Ancients before. I wasn't really sure what to expect, apart from having big targets to aim a cannon at, which on paper <laughs> looks good. However, at this point in the tournament, my cannon had hit, I think it had hit twice, like in the first three games. On one of those occasions, I rolled a one to wound. So I'd hit and wounded once with the cannon. The catapult had done a bit better. Not particularly better, done a little bit better. So although looking at these monsters, and thinking, you know, big dinosaurs, alpha carnosaurs, each of them worth 900 points, perfect targets. Uh, and a ruined catapult will hit almost as hard as a cannon because it's hitting its strength 8 and it's still doing decent wounds. Uh, so it's almost as scary for big monsters uh, as the cannon. And this was the game where uh, I started rolling successful hits with my war machines. The only time in the last game didn't hit it again. But this one game, I managed to hit something with the cannon repeatedly. My opponent was playing uh, sort of MSU style, so little blocks of 10 Saurus Warriors, uh, slightly bigger blocks of uh, Skink Braves, lots of smaller skirmishing units, two units of uh, six chameleons, I think, uh, t- two units of ten Skinks with blowpipes, skirmish, a uh, lot of sort of vanguard, and again, quite quick, uh, not so easy to deal with. Uh, and the big two Alpha Carnosaurs uh, that deployed far away from the guns. 
mm-hmm. and a Taurosaur as well. They had no BSB, but apparently that doesn't matter when you're cold-blooded, because <laughs> this man doesn't fail leadership tests, ever. So I think that the start of the show for this particular game would have been a Vengeance Seeker that chewed one Vengeance Seeker by itself, chewing through two units of Saurus Warriors, I think, or an entire one and virtually all of another. I wasn't sure about how that particular matchup would go, but it went in favour of the Vengeance Seeker quite easily. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the cannon, like I said, hit, took out a, well, let's think, so... Cannon hits, takes out an Alpha Carnosaur over two rounds, and then in another round, Cannon hits and the Catapult hits, takes out a Taurosaur, goes from six wounds to no wounds in one round of shit. Bloody hell, that's pretty. I hope Ermo's uh, not listening to this, he's going to have fucking nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, my opponent still had an Alpha Carnosaur, which was able to almost single-handedly take out a unit of Greybeards, those Poor Greybeards, I don't think they survived any of the games. <laughs> <laughs> they just got stomped. Uh, and again, manoeuvring, uh, you know, basically outmanoeuvred by faster opposing units. Uh, a couple of units of three came in. Again, they just hit really hard. Uh, apart from the Deep Watch, they didn't have anything that could stand up to the Alpha Carnosaur that was left or the Cayman units. Um, so despite losing a lot of points in those big monsters, my opponent was able to get in behind me eventually, take out War Machine, uh, take out, take out the Greybeards as well. Uh, and so we were, uh, quite close. Well, well, not close on points, but not enough that it was a, a big win. Uh, so he got the objective. It was hold the center. And although I kind of feel like my, my list is good at that sort of holding the center type objective uh, against lots of smaller units, he had two Saurus Warriors and two Skank Braves outscored 22 deep walk. With King on Throne and BSB. Yeah, totally. It makes me think, what, well, how about scoring models wins, you know? But yeah, so he, he won the secondary, so it went from a 14 6 to an 11 9. But so still a win. Cool. I think he said that he thought you would have parked the Deep Watch on the objective uh, and that he wouldn't have been able to get enough things close to take it from you. Well, that's, that's how he expected me to play. Uh, my experience of playing like that is that, you know, you leave yourself exposed, you give your opponent an easy time getting into your war machines. Yeah. Uh, in fact, what I did is, you know, I did move forward a bit, um, trying to control the sort of zones that he would move into. Uh, in the end, I think he only took out one war machine, or maybe not, maybe he took one war machine, uh, but he didn't really clear out much, uh, really just the graybeards, one war machine, and he got a lucky charge at the end, uh, that took out a, skirmishing copters. Uh, it was a kind of 50-50 whether he made it or not, and I gambled to them not getting it. In the end, the, the points wouldn't have made any difference, whether I'd fled, held, if it would held, uh, and he hadn't caught those copters at the end there, yeah, I would have got an extra 300 points, but it's, I would have been one point short of the next pit pump, as it were. So it wouldn't have made any difference, uh, but it was still a very good game. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing against Sony and Ancients at some point in the future because uh, it was definitely an exciting game. How have you not played Guillermo yet? I uh, don't know. I also haven't played Simon. Really? No. I think Guillermo's so, missed a, a couple of the last meets just because he's been working weekends. Right, okay. But um, apparently that's not going to be an issue, so maybe you can get a yeah, game against him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can get a game against him in December. A yeah, dedication to the, the cause when you sabotage your PhD just to put it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm sure it was an accident. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> How did you get on against the uh, Skaven, Andrew? Really well. Um, so I played against Adam, and Adam had kind of gone the Skaven equivalent of, uh, oh sorry, Vermin Swarm equivalent of uh, my army, and gone kind of mixed arms. He had lots of shooting. He had a huge big block of 36 Vermin Guards. He had three units of footpads to, for his mobile scoring. And then he had two A-bombs. Uh, one A-bomb doesn't bother me at all, but two A-bombs potentially a problem. And uh, my plan was essentially I'll sit off and mortar the shit out of that big block. This was like the only matchup across the weekend which was like ideal for my list, I think. And this was actually the only green one from this team for me. So... I think the guys kind of felt sorry for me as well after day one, so it was like, we'll give Andrew one, uh, a good matchup, so go on, go for it. I was about to say, was this you embracing your captaincy role and oh, just throwing everyone the under the bus? Out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the shit um, so this was a really good matchup for me, because I had all the tools to beat the, the Barber Storm army. So the plan was, I'll mortar the shit out of them, uh, I'll send the knights after one A-bomb, uh, if he separates them, ideal, because I'll send the knights after one, and I'll send the steam tank after the other. Uh, so everything went to plan, really. The knights kept one A-bomb honest, and the A-bomb kept shuffling around in one corner to try and avoid the knights, and the knights just crept forward a wee bit to put pressure on him. Uh, the steam tank just kept shooting at the other A-bomb and got him to, like, I hit him two turns in a row, I think he was down to three wounds. I sacrificed the unit of writer to try and pop him in the turn, but the writer ended up not doing anything, the A-bomb ate them. I, uh, the first turn, I hit him with the 36th block of Ermengarde. I hit them with the mortar. Direct hit. I caused eleven wounds with the the like the area attack. He yep. had a fi- four up save goes to five up because AP one, and he saved nine of them. It was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but it was going pretty well, and then one more misfired. So I kind of felt like I had to push up a wee bit because I felt like I needed to get points. Uh, I couldn't sit back like I did the day before. He. I'd never played against Doom Wheels before. I played against Vermisor a few times, but never against the Doom Wheels. And he threw a Doom Wheel up in front of the, the chickens. And I was like, alright, okay, I'll maybe kill a chicken, but I'll be fine. And he was like, oh, it's AP6, and it does like these 2d6 hits or whatever, and 2d6 strength. And I was like, fuck, that could obliterate the chickens. This could be really, really bad. And he rolls up, he rolls for the hits, he does like four hits. So I was like, okay, I might still just lose a chicken. He rolls for the strength. Strength two. I was like, yes. <laughs> so you like, he tickled the chicken, did fuck all, and the chickens charged them, beat, uh, bet up the uh, the doom wheel, overran into a unit of uh, globadiers, killed them, positioned themselves so that they could get a flank on the big unit of vermin guard who had moved off a hill. And this was Adam's big mistake as he moved the vermin guard unit up uh, without any support. So the my infantry managed to hit him in the front and one of the sides and the chickens got in from the other side and basically just evaporated the Vermingard and all his characters were in there so it was so much his points uh, the steam tank wrapped up the other A-bomb and I was just kind of picking up points on that side of the field the knights however fucked me yet again I needed a 10 swift strike so like average they failed that's okay they stumbled forward 5 so um, I was 12 inches away from the A-bomb so the A-bomb moves random 3d6. So if he doesn't move the A-bomb, I'm going to get him. So there's no reason for him not to push the A-bomb into the knights. And he rolls fucking 15 on the dice. The A-bomb smashes into the knights. He does shed with his strength 6 attacks and just obliterates the knights. And I was like, awesome. So this is game 4, right? The knights have taken 0 points across 4 games. 
However, it didn't really matter because uh, because I got so many points elsewhere um, it, and I got the secondary. It was a uh, 20 now. So at least I got one good result. That's good, starting day two and a high. Yeah, so I was going into the last game feeling a lot better. <laughs> Ed, you were up against uh, Rob's Chaos Dwarves, is that right? Uh, yep, Inferno Dwarves, and this was this was the worst rubber lance that I've ever experienced, I think. Some Viagra. I went into this game thinking, I'm okay with this matchup. You know, Kadeem Titan, yes, it's nasty, but I've got tools. Uh, I hadn't appreciated that he had Beshalux's mechanism, so uh, that he was going to be aiming to regrow wounds. I don't think I'd have played any different had I thought about that from the start, to be quite honest. So, game started, he he was sitting quite far back, he was playing fairly cagey. I came forward, I set up, he brought his Kadeem Titan forward, and I thought, bingo, he's given me the front charge with the Grail Knights, uh, I've got a flank charge set up with my Grail character, they're both immune to psychology, they don't give a shit about fear or terror. Both charges went off, both charges went in, great. This should be a one-turn win, and then I should roll on to some of the other stuff. As it was, that did not happen. <laughs> so, um, basically, the Grail Knights failed to show up. They should have been averaging about four wounds with Divine Attacks, so he should have been, you know, reroll five-plus ward saves. Uh, but I think they caused nothing. The character in the flank, made who was four attacks, hitting on threes, wounding on threes, maybe did a wound... Static combat res, he just passed his test. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was sort of left thinking, I should have killed you outright on wounds, never mind combat res, but I thought it was just one of those fights that just didn't go my way. Um, and he passed every ward save he was given to pass. <laughs> I think I did in the end kill the Titan. I had to divert a unit of uh, knights over that way. But I think I did probably... 12 to 15 wounds on that thing in total between all the saves that he kept making before it died. It was, yeah, it was frustrating. I'd had to dedicate so much resources to finishing that off that it crippled my whole flank. And yeah, it wasn't a great setup for me uh, once that charge went wrong. So, um, in the end of this game, I was left with no characters because he got a couple of lucky charges off in the last turn. I had one Aspirant Knight musician who claimed the secondary for me all on his own <laughs> in, a, in a show of great bravery uh, and one remnant of an Aspirant, unit knight, uh, Aspirant Knight unit. Uh, and that was all that I was left with. But because I took the secondary and because I'd done a bit of damage to him, I think it was... Uh, 12 or 13 that I lost instead of being a 20 which I was slightly worried about at times. Okay, so you're still picking up some points, so that's good. Yeah, I mitigated the loss to a degree, but it was still painful, that experience. Cool. Especially because I didn't think I'd played anything wrong. I think I'd pretty much set myself up to win the game, but hey, that's how it goes. And uh, how did Michael get on against Beastman? Was that the first time he was playing them, or um, played Nick before? I think he's played, yeah, he's played Nick before, and he, he played Nick with um, orcs and goblins. So, but okay. this was definitely the one match up across the board, which was the bad one. So Double Michael kind of took the bus for this one, um, because Luke quite famously on the first day got a twenty zero in two turns. What? One, because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so fast. The list it's got lots of chariots and stuff. So he'd set up on the line, and it was um, what's the eighteen inch one? Ed? 
Uh, it was a diagonal. A diagonal side, uh, that's right. Bank, yeah, yeah. So he, he was 18 inches away from lots of units, and he basically just set up charges and took every charge he could and rolled over everything. We did kill shit. It wasn't like the person just rage quit. No, no. no it it all, yeah. Super impressive. And uh, at the end of turn one, Michael turned to me and said, it's going okay, I've just got to keep him away from me. And then I looked back, turn two, and it was right up in his face. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a really bad matchup, to be fair. Uh, to Michael, yeah. and it, it, Luke ended up getting a 20-0 out of that one. I don't know if there was a lot Michael could have done, because if he gets in, the nature of the beast-powered army just now, it's just, if it gets in, it does exactly what it's meant to do, and it just destroys stuff, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's quick. He's got two gore attacks, he's got five chariots, two units of centaurs, he's got two ambush and wild herds, so it's quick. Yeah. And Luke's actually today signed up to the Scottish Championship. So oh, nice. Up. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be good too. So we can know. look forward to getting 20 odes uh, turn, turn two, two yeah. next year. <laughs> so yeah, that was a swings and roundabouts uh, round. Yeah, but they were a good team to play against. Yeah, good fun. Uh, I felt bad for Adam actually because Adam had hurt his back uh, day two, so he was in a bit of pain throughout. But uh, it was a really nice guy, good game. Cool. So heading into the last game then of the tournament, how are you guys feeling? You picked up uh, 38 points. That game, so that was your best uh, kind of phase, your best round of the tournament so far. So you feeling a bit more positive? It's amazing what happens when I carry my own weight. <laughs> 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 Rather than just bleed points left, right, and centre. So you guys feeling pretty good? Well, certainly, kind of like I say, a bit more positive going into the last game. I think. Uh, I mean, we were we were facing a dragons team with no dragons. What well, one dragon? I I don't think we were fancying our chances, but you know, we thought we could try and finish on a respectful level. Right, okay. So what was the, the team that you were playing? What were, their, what were they called? Dragons 2. Uh, Dragons 2. Yeah. Okay. So who did you end up facing? Um, so I played against Lorenzo and uh, a very filthy beast herds list. <laughs> um, Michael played against uh, Martin Hughes, which was a Orcs and Goblin mirror match, uh, which is a funny game when we get to that. Ed, you're gonna to have to remind me of who you played. I played um oh, I've forgotten his name. Uh Alessand- Alessandro. Oh yeah, Highborn Elves. Yeah, Highborn Elves. Um with a Ancient Dragon. Nice Ancient Dragon, that one, yeah. Cool. And uh, Andy, what was the name of the chap you played? Huh? <laughs> MD in front of them. It was the Dread Elves, yeah. Yes, that's the man. He was very nice. Very nice individual. Uh, with the Dread Elves, I think nobody really fancied going up against, as I recall. Cause I certainly did not want to play against that list yeah. because it had a huge block of executioners uh, and big blocks of executioners ignore most armour, ignore most stuff. Yeah. So going into this, your kind of last... Uh, game of the tournament, we guys pretty much just right. Let's just try and have fun. We're not going to win it now. We can just try and just enjoy ourselves. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, think, I think that that decision should have been reached on game day one, game one. So yeah, you weren't clinging on to hope that you were all going to somehow manage to win the tournament. Twenty the cross after, yeah. No, after. <laughs> but I think at this point we had a very realistic chance of finishing last, which I think is where we were. Maybe aiming or not aiming, depending on... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there wasn't much aim involved. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think we, we were going into this round and uh, we spoke a little bit before it and just kind of like last game, we're definitely not, we're, we're probably going to finish last if not around that area so just go in and have, have fun your last game. The Dragons boys though, <laughs> were very shifty. They, oh really? Yeah, they disappeared between the rounds so they were late coming and then before the round started they took the good part of 15 minutes to talk about pairing. Like, just those guys went off. And then they took ages during the pairings because they kept disappearing and talking about stuff. And I think it was just like a clash of mentalities because they must have been thinking that they could get a little bit higher um, up the table, whereas we were just like, let's just throw dice and <laughs> see what happens. It was a bit annoying that we took so long to get started in that last game, but alas. It gets worse. Uh, my opponent had a, a rules query and the, the tournament organiser, uh, Slatch, and my opponent were having a conversation for about 20 minutes. Uh, oh, really? Didn't you get a real, yeah, before my game started. So we, we didn't actually start rolling dice until an hour into the start off. So we had two hours to play our game instead of three. That's bullshit. Yeah. Which was a pain, in, a pain in the neck, but I'll go into that. Right, so Andy, you kick us off then. You talk about your game again. <laughs> That hour so, uh, uh, boss aside. <laughs> yeah, so for the first hour of, of game time, we kind of I sat about and twiddled my thumbs, uh, and that was an enjoyable period watching other people playing games. <laughs> but uh, when I finally got started, uh, my opponent was very nice, so no, no no problems there, as with every other opponent that I had over the two days. He he told me that he wasn't you know he was still learning how to play the game and how to play the army. So I mean his army was beautifully painted, but apparently he doesn't play very often. Uh, so I was to keep him right. Uh, he didn't want me to let him get away with any nonsense. So just keep him right. So that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> he's, basically say, he's basically saying I'm an experienced player, you know, uh, which you know makes me think, is this just a bit of a ruse, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because he's got a, a pretty deadly list there, certainly not not a list that you know you just randomly come up with. Uh, he did deploy it right in the corner, which meant it took a while marching across the board to come get me. Uh, so I deployed right in the middle of the team. Uh, he had his bolt throwers uh, lined up, taking up most of his board side, sort of over to you know in the middle and over to one side, uh, and the other side uh, where his bolt throwers were not. Uh, he deployed his uh, spearmen with. Altar of Divine Nastiness, block of 30 executioners and hordes, uh, and whatever else he had, his oracle sort of by herself on a raptor, uh, and a block of corsairs, which looked a lot nastier than they were, because uh, they had a, a unit filler that looked a lot like a an altar of some sort, so I think it was, it was definitely designed to put intimidation into, into people. There was a, a, a like a, a, a captain in there. There was a character, just uh, not a BSB, but just a, a character in the unit. So it, it wasn't entirely toothless. Uh, so he sort of he plods across the board. What was it? Yeah, the devouring really came into this game as well. So yeah, again, he's kind of saying, I don't really know how to use this list. I don't know too much about it. He's got alchemy lore, and I wasn't really sure which spell. To dispel when I watched carefully what he rolled at the start, uh, and the only one that really sort of jumped out at me as one that I had to get rid of was the corruption of tin, uh, because corruption of tin a couple of times so it's minus one to armor and it's a permanent. Uh, so corruption of tin a couple of times on deep watch turns them from deep watch into well elves basically, <laughs> <laughs> not very good elves here. So uh, yeah, I got rid of that, and apparently he didn't know. Uh, that it was a permanent, that it stacked any of this. So he he was he cast it on my 
uh, pair of copters to take them from a four up to a five up, uh, and then the spellbooks got in and devoured it. Uh, and if he'd known, he did say this to me at the time, if he'd known how useful the spell could be, certainly in this matchup, he would have been much more careful about where he cast it. But, you know, th- that's why you play these games so that you can learn. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he, he comes across the table at me, and there was a one pivotal combat, really, that he should have won. Oh yeah, I should say also, sorry, my uh, catapult, which was really going to help me out here. It was going to take big chunks out of his executioners, which is what I really needed it to do. It misfired on the first shot, my first turn, took a wound. Uh, his first turn of shooting is Reapers take three wounds off it. And in my second turn of shooting, I misfire again, and my catapult kills itself. So there goes my answer to the executioners, <laughs> who are quite quickly marching across the board toward my lines, uh, and I have not have much answer for them. Uh, luckily, the, the other shooting I've got, the, the copters and the, the, the marksmen are hanging off wounds or models off of this executioner unit, really concentrating fire on it. So I managed to get the executioners down to sort of two rows of ten and maybe a couple of bodies behind it, so really not making use of the horde formation anymore, just really losing attacks at that, that point. He does chuck them into my greybeards, which is a match a matchup that the executioners should have won. Uh, but he fluffs his to hit rolls. He, I think he's rolling 15 hits. Uh, and the first roll he gets three. So he's hitting fours. He manages to get three fours out of 15 rolls. And then with hatred, he gets three rolls and he only manages another five. So he really, really fluffed that uh, first turn of combat. And his executioners bounce off the greybeards who chase him down and cut him to ribbons. Uh, and that's what really swings the game. When you can't rely on a block of executioners to do your work, then you know, the game's not going to go your way. We only made it to, I think, turn five. And, you know, with that unit gone, but the, the overrun took me into his, took the Greybeards into his Oracle, which, you know, was on one wound after, I think, the copters were taking wounds off it. Uh, so they uh, knocked that out and then went straight into his auxiliary unit with the, with the altar. I had set up two more charges, so I needed a seven on swift stride as my deep watch to get into that big block, uh, and my marksman had reformed into a block and were ready to go into the flank. If I had a couple more turns, I would have, there would have been nothing left to fight against. So, end of the 16-4, uh, so my biggest win, definitely, of the tournament. Uh, a very enjoyable game, but I just wish I had a bit more time to really capitalise on the luck. You just wish you had a bit more time to fucking table the guy. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been a nice way to end. <laughs> yeah, but it would have the score was the score was good. Like I'm, I'm happy with it overall. But uh, knowing that you know one more turn, even I would have got my deep watch into a combat, you know, for the first time in the tournament. Uh, yeah, one thing I've learned is that if you put, you know, if you stack too many eggs in one basket, as it were, put too many points in one unit, people will just avoid it, and you won't actually get to use it. I don't think they really did much throughout the tournament. I, mean, I won a couple of combats, but nothing. Pivotal because maybe against the Vermin Swarm they, they took out the Pendulum and the, the Plague Brotherhood. But in this game, they, they failed that charge. I needed a seven on Swift Stride, didn't get it. If they'd got in, they would have mangled that unit in the turn that I overran into it, so they got to fight again. Uh, I could have picked up easily two or three more points just in that one more turn. But, yeah, uh, wasn't to be. Oh well, 16 and 4 is still a pretty solid win. Uh, Andrew, how did you get on with the B-Serds? No good. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so I played Lorenzo. <laughs> yeah. I played Lorenzo and he's got a really pushy, aggressive B-Serd list. 
Is it like double Gortat, a big unit of Minos with a Mino uh, Lord in there, a couple of units of Centaurs, a couple of units of Ambition Wildhorns, um, and then a Chariot Lord BSB. So this isn't this really isn't a good matchup. I mean, I play Beastars a lot because I play Nick, and I know that if I push against it and it goes my way, it can go very well, but I also know if I push it and it goes wrong, it goes very, very badly. So looking across the the other guys' games, I, I thought, right, I'll just play really defensively and try and lose as minimally as possible. And there was a real risk that if Lorenzo just threw everything down my throat, there was not a lot I could do about it. Um, so we were obviously late getting set up, and the first four turn, first uh, first four turns were you know decent pace, you know standard. Uh, we're playing along. Lorenzo was you know nice enough guy, having good fun. Um, he's got the fucking luckiest Gortax in the world. I was dropping mortar shells on them, cannonballs. And uh, I was doing like one wound for the multiple wounds, or I was rolling a one to wound. Or Just I couldn't do enough damage to them. Uh, my knight were over on one side, and the plan was try and lure them to the infantry who were in one corner, uh, try and get all his stuff heading towards them, and then the knights can get in behind. So a similar game plan to what had been going so fucking wrong in the first day, I thought, I'll re-employ that for the last game. <laughs> that went well. The Knights actually did take points this game. They killed a unit of Ungor Raiders. So that was like 130 points they got across five games. So it was nice. I uh, had to employ the, the most expensive chaff in the world at one point to keep his Mino Lord away from my Knights. I chaffed him up with my chickens. And then I chaffed him up with the, the Divine Altar. I just keep him away. Because I was like, this game, the chickens are not going to die. Um, <laughs> But it was actually it was actually going okay the first couple of games. Ed actually came down at one point, and uh, I said to Ed like if he'd really thrown this stuff down me, this would be a massive loss. But he wasn't. He was being a bit more conservative. I think he was worried about my shooting. So I thought I might actually be able to sneak a, a small win here. But the the Gortex kept trundling towards the infantry, and uh, the knights were set up so that they could really get in behind them and start picking off units. Like the smaller units, and like your shaman was running about in a unit on gores and stuff, so that's like easy points if you can get them. So he chaffed me up with the on who I ate, and then that set me up so that in my turn, I could essentially charge most of his squishy stuff. Like I could, he had a chariot lord as well, which I would easily charge. And then as a kind of last gasp thing, he threw his jabberwock in at the knights, and the fucking jabberwock killed the knights. He got the lethal strike spell from Evocation. Oh, yep. so the Jabberwock has five attack. Uh, let me just check this because this is worth noting. <laughs> but no <laughs> shit happened. Jabberwock, sorry, has four attacks. Jabberwock, that's even worse. Four attacks. He was re-rolling for Primal Instinct, and the Jabberwock actually doesn't have Primal Instinct. I know that. That's actually more my fault than his fault because I play these things all the time, and I know that it doesn't. But when he was rolling that, I never clocked. And um, so he hit with four of his. Um, uh, yeah, all four attacks hit, and then. Because, of course, the Knights failed their Leadership 8, the tier check. Just, you know, just another Leadership 8. And uh, because he had the Lethal Strike spell off on them, he rolled for his wounds and he rolled three sixes. So he kills three Knights outright. Um, because of the minus one for the Aura, the minus one for the Fear, although it was the Prelude that was taken, he's immune to Fear because of the Helmet. Um, I broke, I ran, and he chased me and killed me. And then, like, this was... a 20-point model. Uh, it was just... Depressing. It was so bullshit, because up until that point, there was a good chance that I was going to get a small win out of that, because 
basically I was just keeping all the stuff. Like his Gortex were focused on infantry, and the only thing I wasn't too keen on getting involved with was the Minos. But he kind of veered the Minos away, so actually it was looking that I could maybe even get a cheeky recharge or um, flank charge because I was chaffing the Minos up with state militia. So it was actually going really well, but then that happened. It's just there's nothing you can do. It's just when the dice fuck you over. Um, and then that was like turn four. So we were going into turn five. We comfortably had enough time for turn five, but it wasn't looking like we were going to get turn six. And then Lorenzo goes into <laughs> like <laughs> takes some speed or something and just starts like because he he decides that he's going to play six turns now and just starts like going really quickly and rolling dice and going through stuff and. So I was getting a little bit, not annoyed, annoyed's the wrong word because he was like nice enough guy to play against, but I kind of felt that he'd been a wee bit gamey, not rushing through it, just because it, was, it wasn't our fault that the games were delayed, it was essentially their fault for taking so long to up. Yeah. But then we got to the end of turn five and basically Slat shouted uh, dice down. So if we'd ended it there, it would have been... A small went to him, but you probably would have, I think he would have got the secondary. So it would, probably would have been, I don't know, like a 13 or 14 to him. As it ended, um, my infantry had managed to kill a Gortek. Fucking yass. Um, but the Minos had just gone to the front, or were just about to get to the front of my big block of infantry, and the Gortek was getting into the flank of them. So that, that wasn't going to go well. It was just a question of whether they hold or not. Yeah. And... Uh, Lens was like, right, let's, let's just let's just go for it, let's roll and stuff. So we ended up talking through it and rolling in that, like just rolling like key bits, but we didn't roll that combat. He had these um, shaman on a bit by himself now because he'd sacrificed Ungors. So he said, right, roll a couple mortar shots, see if you kill the, the uh, shaman, which I didn't. And then he was like, right, so I would take those points, and he pointed to the infantry. And I was like, oh, I don't know if you do, because it basically just comes down to how many attacks you pump out, what yep. spells I get off. It probably would take those points, but it was dicey, and there's so many points in that unit that it was a bit meh. But I was kind of getting to the stage where um, I just couldn't be bored anymore. It was like last game. Um, it was clear that I hadn't won, so I was just like, right, okay, whatever. So then he just started going, right, I'll take that point, I'll take the mortars, blah, 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 blah. And I was just kind of agreeing, because I was like, ah, fuck it, I don't care anymore. But in hindsight, I should have stood my ground, because that's what Andy and Nick did, and that was the right decision, I think. Whatever. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, but I just felt that it was a bit... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is a game of dice. I mean, it's, I mean, you could sit down and you could look at people's lists and you could look at the numbers and you could say, right, this is likely to happen and this is likely to happen. But the reason we play the game is because that's not how it goes. I mean, in so many of the games that you guys have been talking about, there's been you know, charges that probably should have went off and there's been luck and there's been kind of some unlucky stuff that have gone down, so you can't really do that. Yeah. And I think if you're, as soon as you decide you're playing this game, I think you need to admit that that's the situation. So I, d- I don't really like that, that you effectively can just decide on how the game would go without actually rolling anything out. So yeah, I, I would say that's a bit, yeah. it's a bit gamey. Don't really like that. But I mean, like, Lorenzo was fine for the game. And yeah, I feel bad even saying that because he was, he was nice enough to play against. It was just that, I don't know, I felt there was something maybe a bit off with the fact that he took so long to play and then kind of rushing the last few times I didn't really like but to be fair it's just a point of common courtesy you just turn up and you're supposed to be there <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's fine uh, it, like like we said there was no chance that we were podiuming but I think maybe with hindsight knowing how close it was at the bottom of the table maybe I should have stood my ground but that's not what happened uh, so 
ended up that Lanes got a 29 out of that. Okay. Ed, how did your game go? Uh, so, my game against Highborn Elves was a, a very cagey affair. I deployed a lot of my army behind one building. I basically picked sides. So, I think something I did quite well during this tournament was deployment. Uh, so, I picked side. I put him on the side that had more terrain to work around. Um, knowing that it would limit his um, reapers. Is it reapers? I forget what they're called. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, the Seagard reapers. Yeah. Because I knew that they were going to be a threat to my characters and my cavalry. And yeah, I was basically hyped behind the building for a lot of the game. Uh, took a couple of charges, took out some light cav and took out some uh, his heavy cav. Danced around his dragon for a bit trying to hopefully set up a flank charge with a couple of characters, and basically took it out of the game for most of the game, which I was fine with. And then turn five, I set up a big charge on his Lion Guard. Uh, I had, I think I had five units and two characters, maybe three characters. I basically had all of my army in a big semicircle pointing at his Lion Guard. Unfortunately... I didn't really position my Knights of the Realm or my Grail Knights very well, and he was able to chaff both of them with one unit of light cav, so they couldn't... That's point sufficient. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good work by him, and it was poor work by me to place them too close together, thinking back that I should have realized that that's what he would do, because that was the logical decision to make. So, yeah, I was basically not able to join the combat with those two units, and they were the bigger units, they had the most ranks, and the Grails would have done most damage. And, yeah, I basically made a bad decision to go ahead with the charge. I should have had enough damage output to break them, uh, and if I'd broken them, then I was through into his backlines, and I was going through his archers and things. And that's why I did it in turn five, because I wanted to try and give myself the chance to knock on and get more points in the next two turns. But as it was, I didn't do enough damage. My general didn't really turn up. Um, so the, the damage output was just limited. Uh, I bounced. Start, well, I stuck in combat, but I didn't break them. Uh, and then his dragon came into the back of some of my units and characters. So he ended up getting a lot of points. But I held the secondary because uh, I'd already basically set up in a way I'd set the gear targets. I'd set mine up in a helpful position for me, and his was uh, in a position that I could get that one as well. So the secure targets was easy for me to keep, uh, and despite the charge not working and quite a lot of my stuff dying there, I managed to get a 12-8. A, a loss of 8, but no worse than that. So Cool. So how did he use his dragon in that game? Uh, basically... He had his dragon on one side. I think he was going to use it to try and threaten my flank, but he was worried about my characters. So he hung back, I hung back, I moved around the side of him, he kept moving back and trying to keep me in the front of him. Um, because his base is so big, it was harder for him to maneuver than it was for me. So I kept, I basically just kept moving around, moving around. I was hoping to get a flank charge because I did it against uh, Monroe when I played against his um Ancient Dragon. Uh, I was able to get a flank charge and a character into... I think it was rear charge and a character. But um, yeah, that one basically broke his dragon and ran it down. So I knew it was possible if I could get a flank charge and I just wanted to threaten him. Cool. So pretty happy then with the end of the game, all in all? It, 
Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was a bit disappointing that the charge didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but uh, it wasn't as stacked in my favor as the Cadian Titan was. It was always going to be dependent on how the dice went. And I, uh, yeah, I just didn't really have the damage output in the end, so. How did Michael get on with the uh, mirror match? Yes, this is quite funny. Um, so Michael played Martin, and they both boxed and goblins, and they were actually quite similar lists. And uh, I think they just kind of agreed that they would mutually respect each other from a distance. <laughs> and they kind of just sat and shot each other for a little bit, like for the six turns, and nothing really seemed to be happening. Like the scores, the battle points he took, oh sorry, the, the victory points. So Michael took 794 and Martin took 900. So it was a 10 10 at the end. Like, I don't okay. know what they were doing for six turns, but um, I think Martin was pretty tired. So Martin was pretty happy just to sit back and. And uh, rock them, and uh, I think Michael felt that that was probably the best way to do it as well because if he pushed it, it might not pan out. So yeah, um, I mean, like you say, they are quite similar lists. Yeah, but yeah, so that was a ten ten. <laughs> okay, so final game, you guys picked up thirty five points, so you finished on a hundred and fifty six for the day. So you obviously came last. But obviously, <laughs> well, I say that because we've said several times already that that was a, that was so it's not really yeah, like a shock. So, yeah. <laughs> so just kind of looking back in hindsight, like um, how did you guys feel like you actually played on the day? Were you fairly disappointed? Was it just really dice that fucked you in the end? Well, it's worn off or war machines forever. That's good. Yeah, I'm happy that no another a dwarf player that's no longer is going to be bringing artillery. That's volley nice. guns, eh, Andy? Volley guns for the win. Well, an organ, an organ gun, maybe. Yeah. Right. Maybe an organ gun. Maybe Andrew, Boston. what are you playing at? <laughs> maybe just an organ no, gun. Like, me and Andy really bonded this weekend over uh, a <laughs> hit yeah, they, they they only hit once in every five games, so... Yeah, it's true. It's fucking forget true. that nonsense. Seekers, on the other hand, they hit every game, so... Yeah, points <laughs> at the Seekers. One thing that I've learned is I need to find a way to force my opponents to engage with the Death Star unit, with the big block, with all the points, because I spent far too much time not doing anything. Yeah, so that's big takeaway, is that don't know why War Machines do find a way to force your opponent to have to deal with the stuff you brought, rather than be able to just stay away from it. So you're going to be running super aggressive Vanguard Dwarf lists from now on? Yeah, I'm going to deploy my Deep Watch and Horde formation from now on. Ooh. I don't know, I've got, I've got some uh, some thoughts on how to do that, but we'll see what the, the new version of the rules allows. You know, because things are changing, whether that will be manageable, I don't know. But got a few ideas on how to, to you know, make sure that unit actually gets into combat. And what about you, Andrew? Obviously, the knights, are they getting left at home now? Um, I'm just going to concentrate on my vampires because uh, Empire Sucker has. <laughs> You've just given up <laughs> on the Empire. No, I, think, um, I don't think I, I played particularly well in any of my games, even the one I won. I think that was more just the fact that Adam made the mistake of committing the Vermin Guard when he really shouldn't have, and that let me get those points without working for them very hard. So I don't think I played particularly well, um, but... I, Definitely the, the hamstring was that I've got a 900 point unit that should, anything that really hits within reason, it should be looking at kill or and it did fuck all across five games and that really, really, really frustrates me. Because like, like you guys will know as well, like, it, unit does work. When it works, it really works, but 
to have five games and them do nothing and 900 points. You know, it's just, you can't have a list that's underperforming like that. Yeah, it just cripples the rest of your yeah. army. I think I maybe, the list maybe relies on them too heavily. At the end of day one, I thought to myself, how much better would I be doing if I just had a big fuck-off block at Imperial Guard instead of them? The answer is a lot better, I think. It was good because it showed me the real weaknesses of the list, and it particularly against MSU armies. So, um, back to the drawing board. But again, it's hard because obviously 2.0 is coming out. So I don't want to get yeah. too worked up about it. But uh, yeah, I was very disappointed with the list and my, my gameplay, really. But these things happen. It was a good learning experience. And uh, I enjoyed all my games, and all my opponents were great. I think like my funnest game was probably... Uh, I don't know. I, I actually enjoyed them all, but I think playing Mal uh, was good fun. And that was probably the game where I moved the least because I was like, I'm not giving any points away this game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we had a good laugh, so it was it was really good. Really enjoyed it, but I think I just kind of let myself down a wee bit gameplay wise. Uh, what about you, Ed? How happy were you with your list, <laughs> and would you change anything about it now that you've played it? <laughs> I probably will never play that list again for a <laughs> time. <laughs> um, it went well then. Yeah, it was so brittle. It was so volatile. Um, you know, against uh, Jack, I managed to show what it could do. But every other game, it was relying on things happening that, you know, I could stack the odds in my favor, but I was only ever, you know, two-thirds likely for this to work. And when it didn't work, that was the problem that really the list kind of fell apart a bit. Um, I think I did well to salvage points, given how many times I lost almost every unit and only really had one very bad result. But yeah, it's not it's not a list I would use as competitive. Um, I'm also reluctant to say that uh, questing nights didn't really work out for me. They they're interesting. They put a different angle on it, and scouting two up armor cavalry is quite <laughs> it's always entertaining. Um, but I just don't think they carry themselves in any serious combat. So they're expensive for a war machine hunter. And occasional flanker, which is really what they're reduced to. I think probably Pegasus Knights do that just as well, if not better. Looking back at the tournament now, that there's been a couple of, couple of weeks, kind of think about it. Like, how would you guys kind of rate the overall standard of play compared to like what you're used to in the club? Is it fairly compatible, or were there just times where you just felt totally at your depth? Well, personally, for me, um, I mean, I, I said to you guys before we started recording that the only game where I felt like I was really properly outplayed was against uh, Tanker. Um, and that's basically because I made a mistake and he managed to capitalise on it so much that he took the rest of the army off the field. Um, so I don't think, uh, speaking from someone who got his arse handed to him across five games, um, I don't think the, the skill level is actually a massive jump. Uh, to be fair, we didn't play against you know the top teams because we weren't at the top tables. But um, I don't think it's a massive jump. I think it, the biggest thing was list composition and having answers to MSU was personally my, my thing. What about you, Ed? Um, I mean, obviously I've played in some fairly big tournaments. Uh, I've played against quite a lot of ETC guys just through going along tournaments in Denmark and Germany and things. I would say that the standard... I mean, my experience was the standard was a good bit higher than are average games, for sure. The tournament was probably comparable, but uh, I think our monthly meetups don't quite match up to that. I don't think it was leagues above, but I think there was definitely a sort of natural play style that they had that we didn't necessarily have. And I think that comes with experience, to be honest. I think a lot of those guys have been going to tournaments for 
10 plus years and they've just been doing it so long that a lot of that stuff is second nature and things like uh chaffing and positioning msu units and things like that they don't change uh version to version they don't change going from eighth edition to ninth edition uh, to ninth age so i think that showed from time to time but um i i personally i love these tournaments i love playing different metas and i love playing different players so i'll i'll continue trying to um, go along and bring anyone with me that wants to go. <laughs> yeah, I think to be honest, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, but my kind of interpretation of what it would be like would be, for the most part, you are playing against people that at least have that little bit more experience with tournaments. And as you say, certainly when it comes to like list composition, um, I think our club is quite a new club. It's quite a young club in that sense. Like. Certainly, that's that. I mean, that's the first time the club's really been represented at a team tournament. <laughs> How embarrassing! <laughs> <laughs> well, like certainly talking about like list composition, like and just where the tournament fell in regards to our own tournament, and having the time to really think about that. And different teams are approaching the tournament from different viewpoints. I mean, I think for the most part, I think it's fair to say you guys were just going down there to have fun and just represent the club. There'll be other people there that are looking at it more like it's part of their kind of tournament calendar. So I think that's fair enough. What was the kind of atmosphere like there over the, the weekend? Because there was a lot of players, right? I mean, it was 18 teams, so 72 players in total. Yeah. Um, actually, I'd be interested to hear what you guys say in comparison to stuff like Siege and, and stuff. Like, Andy, what did you feel like the, the atmosphere was? Um, certainly more competitive than either of the two tournaments uh, night age tournaments that we've had uh, in Scotland so far um, which isn't necessarily bad but it is different uh, I think I preferred uh, this Estrevelin siege tournament in terms of uh, just having a, a really good time, more relaxed more more casual games uh, I certainly enjoyed that a bit more it, less of a, it was a bit less immersive having a you know you're really just concentrating on angles, on you know getting the right dice rolls at the right time, remembering, you know, there's no mercy basically. Like, uh, <laughs> nobody's going to kind of spell like, oh, by the way, you forgot to do that. Well, although I mean that's not entirely fair because at times you know opponents are were very nice and give you a bit of leeway, but for the most part, you're not going to get any second chances. Nobody's going to say, oh, it's okay, you can go back and change that. Not even close to it. Uh, everybody's looking to get as many points as they can really, because it's a team effort and you can't really be letting your teammates down by going easy on your opponent, so yeah, it's a different way of looking at it. I think the, the biggest thing for me at this particular tournament was getting to play against uh, armies that I've not played before. Uh, Sorry, Ancients and uh, Demon Legions, two armies that I hadn't played before. So that was good. I uh, really enjoyed that and guaranteed to play against five people that I'd never even met, let alone <laughs> played against before, so also very good. Uh, seeing different styles, looking at the way you know people build their own lists, uh, and everybody was very friendly. So absolutely, uh, no one there who you really kind of think, oh, they, I don't want to play that guy again. Uh, every single person I played against, I would happily play again. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, that'd be right. awesome. In fact, some of the people I played against, I really want to play again, so I could get. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to make that mistake again, you know. <laughs> so, how would you rate the kind of atmosphere? Ed? with the kind of tournaments that you've been to in the past? Uh, I would say it's on a fairly similar level to 
more the more competitive tournaments I've been to. Um, you know, I've I've been to I've been to tournaments where every point matters, and I've been to tournaments where people are fairly light uh, lighthearted about it. I probably end up somewhere towards the more competitive end of the spectrum, just because I want to push myself. I would probably miss one without the other. I think is my my view that uh, if all I played were ultra competitive matches and tournaments, I'd miss having fun, and if all I played were fun matches, I'd miss the challenge. So I'm quite happy to go to both. That's kind of where I where I end up on it. And the the venue and stuff that was all pretty good, like the tables and the terrain and all that. Like that was all pretty good standard. Yeah, I'd say so. All the terrain was really good. I didn't see any table that looked bad. So I don't know where they sourced it all because obviously that's a load of tables that they had to set out. But I think that the venue was good as well. No complaints. Venue was fine. Terrain, I, I imagine they've probably built it up over years. Terrain was fine. Tables were tables were okay. I think tables could have been slightly better. W- one thing they could have changed is having a map of the scenery on the table, yeah. which they yeah. didn't have because people were putting cups and you know books and stuff down, and terrain was being moved in between games, and there was no benchmark to to reset it to, which was something that was definitely missing. I think got up to the tables and it's like ah, there's people's stuff lying all over it. Is this meant to be there? I don't know. Is it giving somebody an advantage? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe not. But you'd rather be able to like kind of reorder to be and just make sure you're playing from you know an equal starting point to everybody else. Do we use this coke can as a piece of impassable terrain? <laughs> it's just drunk person. <laughs> cool. So that's all good. So it was a really. I mean, am I right in saying that that was the fifth Midlands team tournament that they've run? It was the first team one they've done. They've done singles. That was the first one. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was a fairly well smoothly run on. Uh, tournament on the day. Yeah, to be fair, um, Slatch and Nick, like it was really well, really well organised. Um, they had some, <laughs> some uh, admin to do between the rounds because that's a lot of scores to put in and everything. Yeah, uh, definitely. So fair play to them, and they were very hospitable. And it was really, really good. And talking to like, so, do you guys have any kind of general concluding thoughts for future team tournaments? Uh, any kind of advice or anything like that that you would kind of pass over to anyone listening or potentially people from your own clubs that are maybe thinking about going to a team tournament in the future? Go to them. <laughs> just go. I think, I think just get involved, um, have a go, see what you think. Might be you decide it's not for you. Might be you decide that you need to do some work uh, and practice more. But I think there's no substitute for just getting to a tournament and trying it out. Uh, and either you'll love it or you'll decide that you want to focus on the things that make the game fun for you. Cool. What about you, Andy? Any uh, pro tips? Uh, unless you've already been to several and you're, you know, you're confident in your own abilities, I would say look at it as a learning experience. Use it as an opportunity to play against new people with new styles, against armies that you've maybe not played against before or played against often, and hone in your own skills. You know, Don't worry too much about the list that you're bringing. I'd say don't overthink the list. Just have something that can adapt. Make your list as adaptable as possible because there's always going to be something that you're not prepared for. Always. What about you, Andrew? What are you going to take away from this is, one? Make your list adaptable. It's easy when you're a dwarf. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've done so well. You've kept your. I know. I know. I, know. I think it's because Andy and I bonded. It's fine. We both hate what we <laughs> Um 
Yeah, no, I, I love tournaments. Um, I love playing. So, I, I thoroughly, I mean, I got my ass handy to me four out of five games, and uh, I still enjoyed myself. I think um, I really enjoyed the team dynamic. I thoroughly enjoyed it at Siege. Like, if I could go back and play Siege tomorrow, I would do it. Um, I think there, we had the added element as well that we everyone knew each other at Siege, so it was good. There was good banter between the teams. It was a bit more relaxed. There was like a lot of trash talk going about. It was just good fun. Whereas we were going into this not really knowing anyone and kind of getting to grips with the, the team dynamics and stuff like that. So it was different, but like the guys say, it was a really good learning experience to play different armies, play different players. Um, and I would, yeah, I would echo Ed's sentiment, like. Just go have a bash. Um, but definitely the team tournament aspect for me, I really enjoyed, and I'll definitely be looking to do that more in the future. Awesome. So as a pretty good positive note to kind of wrap up the Midlands chat. Paul, are you, are you tempted to, to give the like a sort of foreign team tournament a try? Oh, like foreign if nice. I could have went... <laughs> <laughs> if I could have went to Midlands, I would have... It's just kind of same old kind of bullshit like real life <laughs> marriage is that what <laughs> yeah real life commitments job and like life like getting that. in the way of important things yeah oh dude I think about this game an unhealthy amount like if I could have went <laughs> that's my boy <laughs> <laughs> um, no like it's just it really is just like in a personal circumstances like um, if I could get away to a tournament every couple of months I'd do it absolutely but it's just a question of timing and things, and I think for me, that is why I kind of enjoy kind of being involved with setting them up. Certainly in our own club, it's just part selfish reasons because you know, I can definitely get to this tournament if I set it up. <laughs> well, I think that there seems to be an agreement here that you definitely do the best tournaments, Paul. Of the three <laughs> I've been to, yours are definitely the best. Thank you for those comments. Uh, I feel obligated to point out that you've been to two of three. Tournaments, two of which I've been mine, so simply speaking, that was probably likely. So thank you anyway. <laughs> no, but I think um, it is like what you were saying, Ed, about the mixture between the kind of more relaxed tournaments and the kind of slightly more competitive ones. I think it is good to, to have a mix, and we're going to have the Scottish GT in March. So that would be good. So I'll, I'll get a, a flavour for that kind of gaming environment next year. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, no, but uh, just to wrap things up with that, uh, just to say thanks very much, guys, for coming on and, and talking about it and reliving all your kind of horror stories. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to come on. I didn't choose to come on. I felt no, you're obviously <laughs> sure. <laughs> you don't get a choice. Um, a big thank you to the Vale Renegades uh, for uh, agreeing to play this first game. So it was cool to play them. Um, it would have been good if Andy and Craig could have come down as well, but obviously they didn't know they didn't know they could go until very late on. Um, and I think uh, Craig is coming to the GT. I think I saw, so it'll be cool to see the guys again. And I'm actually going down to Cardiff tomorrow, so I'm hoping to see a couple of them at Firestorm when I'm uh, moseying about. That's um, yeah, yeah. So just before we close up, just for uh, upcoming events. Uh, I'm under strict orders from Felix to promote the uh, Scottish GT. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Scottish GT is uh, in March. Um, the dates themselves are the 10th and 11th of March uh, next year. All the details are on the forum if you want to check that out. 
Um, there's also uh, there's a tournament happening in Milton Keynes in December. I think it's like 28th of December. It's the Fantasy Wargaming guys that are guys in that. Um, there's the Bristol uh, GT, which is happening in March. February. February. There we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just signed, I signed up to it earlier. So. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so Ed's good at that. Um, Ed, you've also and, got the, uh, uh, the finals in a couple of weeks. Is it this, this weekend? This weekend, yeah. yeah. Uh, Henrik and I are both going down, so uh, as is tradition, we'll expect to come back with my shield or on it, and more likely on it. On it with a spoon in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So best of luck to you and Henrik. Um, and then we've got, we'll probably uh, look to have Strife, maybe summertime, um, and then the Cardiff guys are organising a tournament for June, I believe, which I know there's a lot of chatter on our group that we're going to try and get a few guys down to that. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's about it. And I, I know there's a Midlands singles event. Um, I think it's spring next year. Spring, summer next year. But as always, all the details, all these bits and pieces are on the forum. So if you are interested, go check it out. Um, and then... If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so via um, email at scottishwildlings at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter at scottishwildlings or at um, scotch9dage. Um, or you can get us on Facebook at uh, Scottish uh, Scottish Wildlings, And that should come up with the group and Ed will get you added to that if you fancy it. Um, but again, just echo Paul's remarks. Thank you very much, Andy and Ed, for joining us. This was meant to be uh, an hour and a half episode, which we've somehow managed to extend beyond all recognition. <laughs> um, and yeah so we've got a, a meetup coming up next week uh, the 8th of December uh, so that'll be our final meetup before the new year um, I think Paul we're going to try and maybe get another episode out before Christmas yeah definitely I think we can get one more in for sure Yeah. Um, I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about but we'll come up with uh, something we'll talk about that and, uh, I guess there's all the new stuff that's getting released just now we can talk about that if nothing else transpires yeah and then obviously 2.0 is meant to drop sometime in December, so uh, we'll, yeah. uh, I'm sure the forum and uh, we'll obviously be uh, recording episodes uh, going into the new year. Um, but Ed, when, when's that dropping, Ed? Sorry? Uh, yeah, Ed, sorry, do you have a date for us? Sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, I think the line's breaking up. <laughs> Ed, <laughs> that shit don't work. <laughs> um, but a big thank you to all the teams who played against uh, Midlands. Um, and yeah. We'll uh, catch you in the next episode, guys. Cool. We'll See do. you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.